It is a sweltering CSP Sunday. Coming to you here from Ireland in the United Kingdom. As the boys are back in town and they are sweaty-bellied um, messes. Let me tell you, lads, I, I do not hack this heat well at all. Um, I, I, we, I was walking somewhere with Brown over the weekend and I kind of said, listen, once it gets north of 26 degrees, we can't hold hands or I, I can't. <laughs> no physical contact of any description, please. Also, I'm not going to be speaking very much. It's just that is really not Barry territory, that, that neighborhood. It's just I'm just in pain at all times as I try and move my little hoofs up and down the streets. Uh, lugging around this glistening ham at my waist, uh, 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 just this this hairy uh, albatross which I have been feeding for thirty one years. Um, uh, my gigantic belly. Um, it just does not. I, as a joke, put with me for walking down the street. I pulled my shirt up over my belly to say I need to let it breathe, and then I was like, it's actually burning my belly. I have to put my shirt back oh, down. No. Um, so it's been quite traumatic. Uh, also with me and also slowly cooking and stewing inside their own juices. It's Mr. Joe Towner. Hello there. This is the, uh, the first time I've had a shirt on for two days. So, uh, just as a treat for the lads. They don't get to see, <laughs> don't get to see my bare nipples. Oh no. Also wearing a shirt, Paul Griffin. Yeah. Um, Although it might as well just be like paint at this point because yeah. I, don't, I can't tell the difference anymore between where my skin ends and where the shirt begins. It's really come back to bite me that so much of my wardrobe is like heavily decaled, like black heavy material shirts. Hoodies. Um, and hoodies as well. I mean, fucking, I'm just, I'm not, I have not filled out my, my wardrobe appropriately. I don't have a, I don't have a seasonal attire. Um, uh, it's. It, it, I've made some very bad choices over the course of my life that have led me to to this moment. Um, but you know, you make the most of it, don't you? I did go to a barbecue yesterday, which is fabulous. Uh, a friend of Rona's fired up the the queue, had some del- had some absolutely delicious cocktail sausages, which is not something I would have expected from a barbecue. But oh my goodness, delicioso and also a cooked to perfection cheeseburger. It was delightful. Um, and you know various other drinks, um, watering down, choosing to water down all my own booze by having as many ice cubes as can fit in a cup, and like an ounce of cider dribbled across them, um, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, I had a fairly nice weekend, all things considered. What you boys? How have you? How have you been dealing with the heat? Yeah, I've also had a few nice um, co- cokey glasses of ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually almost fainted because it was so hot. Oh, no, did I tell this last week? I don't remember. No, no, I don't think you did. Uh, coming out of the gym, um, I had been clanging and banging, but like 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I'd left it late enough that I figured the temperature would have dropped a little bit. And I was, it was coming up to 10. It wasn't quite 10 yet. And I was doing the, 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 the pulley back machine, you know, the pulley back machine. When you, yes. Yeah. 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 Doing that. I think it's called the, uh, the, the back press. It might be. Um, I started feeling a little bit, um, a little bit, a little bit unwell. I just, I, I wasn't feeling fainty or anything, but I felt, Oh, something's not right here. And I know 
a lot of the machines in the gym do say, you know, if you start feeling weird or lightheaded, just stop and, and, and go. So I said, all right. It was nearly 10 anyway. It was the last thing I was going to do. And I said, right, we'll just close it up there for today and go home. So I, I go back, get my bag. I'm coming out through the kind of main hall of the the gym. And I do feel suddenly now, it's it's like when I was getting my blood taken that one time. I'm starting to feel the body start to sh- shut itself down. And I thought, okay, either I'm dehydrated or it's like a blood sugar thing. So l- let me get a, there, there is a vent machine in the entrance. I said, I'll, I'll get a can of seven up and I'll just have a, have a go of that and see if that kind of picks me back up or whatever. And, uh, but I started walking cause I walk to and from the gym. It's like a half hour walk up the canal. So I'm thinking now I don't want to be walking by the canal if I'm suddenly going to keel over and, you know, <laughs> splash. So I, I sat down at a bus stop and actually sitting down at the bus stop made me feel even worse somehow. And I really started thinking I'm going to pass out here. Oh, so, no. so I sat down on the floor and people were passing me and they looked down at me and I was just kind of sitting head kind of rolling on the floor. Someone gave you a fiver. I said, I'm not going to be able to get home. I need to call someone to, to give me a lift so I went to call my friend Sean and I had my phone in my hand and I couldn't I was so almost out of it I couldn't like work the phone mm. it, it was as if it was going in slow motion I, my brain would say right unlock the phone duh, duh, duh. and my hand would just move towards it like you know at Kevin Nash speed <laughs> yeah. and it was yeah it was almost like an out of body experience it was very very weird and I got on the, I got on the phone anyway eventually Lift was on the way. And pretty much as soon as I hung up the phone, that's where I, for whatever reason, I was suddenly covered in like a cold sweat head to toe, but I started kind of coming out of it then. But um, yeah, mad what the weather, the weather does to you. Like I didn't feel that hot while I was there, but obviously it was because I've never had a reaction quite like that before. You're just clanging and banging too hard, I think, is the is the real... Uh, I've been uh, often accused of, of banging too hard, to be fair. Need a, so. have a leukoside next time. That's what you need. Yeah. Maybe. A bit of salt, some isotonics, whatever they yes. are. But, um, yeah, since then I haven't been back, just because I don't want to go through something like that again while the weather is mad hot. So I've just been going for a walk every day. And uh, yeah, luckily today is a little bit cloudier. It's still very warm, but maybe tomorrow or Tuesday I might be able to pop back. Mm. We've done nothing, to be honest, over the weekend. It was just like, I didn't even want to go for a walk because it's just, we, we went to um, McDonald's yesterday to get mm. ourselves a little uh, McDonald's. Um, <laughs> we gave up on, we used to get, try the Uber Eats, but uh, after multiple disappointments with with that service we now have to go to the actual mcdonald's and get it because i said never again i was like next time i suggest ordering it never just say remind me never again so but luckily it's only a, it's less than 10 minutes walk away so we actually brought it home because it was so hot it didn't get cold like on the way home anyway um so i, I actually tried their new one they've got a spanish i can't remember exactly what it's called stack, like isn't it yeah it's a spanish stack chicken and chorizo uh, which I have to say was nice. Um, the only thing with that type of burger from McDonald's is that it feels a bit more like a proper restaurant burger, right? But but not as good as a proper restaurant burger. Right. That's okay. the thing. It kind of falls in between the two stalls, and so 
I'm thinking I should just stick with the absolute filth that is the <laughs> yeah, burger yeah. or the nuggets or whatever. I, I love that because it's filth. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. pretend nice burger. For Why masquerade as something you're not? You know, well, I'm glad a fiver as well. I'm glad you enjoyed it because we we went to McDonald's today to soothe our. We had a little bit of hangover after the barbecue, um, uh, <laughs> possible dehydration. I don't know, <laughs> just from the sun. And uh, McDonald's absolutely heaving because it was you know Sunday and it's near the cinema, the one we went to. So people bring their kids. And woman next was kind of shit. That was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always very wary of the McDonald's have a better hit or miss ratio. Burger King, every time they do a specialty fucking posh burger, it's always shit. We got we got the they've got some some new posh Angus burger they're doing at the moment, which they wheel out mm. every couple of months. And it's just kind of they get a posh cheese, but I'm kind of like I, I just get the shit American plastic slices, to be honest, because it's some, yeah. it's just like it's it's equally shit cheese, but somehow it tastes worse. And and Burger King, I, I, I've noticed this in a couple of different places. I've, I've even I've even had it in like the fucking Dublin airport one when they do a fancy burger, absolutely drowned in mayonnaise. The mayonnaise is curling through your fingers when you when you get a a, a specialty bur- a Burger King burger. It's disgusting. Whereas McDonald's, like you know. McDonald's, they, they they don't need you to. We did play it safe today, and I we both got double quarter pounders and and shared a box of nuggets. Um, uh, you know, uh, we are we are people of simple tastes. Um, was it chorizo and chicken? That's interesting. Now, I cause I might I might give that a whirl. That is, yeah, it was your standard breaded chicken burger that they use for everything else, but then they put four slices of chorizo on top. So. <laughs> yeah, and they and and it's kind of like instead of just in a bun, it's in a it's in a taste of spain bun, <laughs> taste of you know spain bun, and um uh, madrid relish <laughs> you know and this yeah. this this chicken could actually speak and it spoke spanish and uh you know. lettuce that wasn't uh doesn't taste like it was uh dried in a tramp's ass it is <laughs> tastes like it came out of a bag um yes oh dear so i get just a regular cheeseburger as well so i was like okay you you do burgered it very nice yeah Uh, normally i'll go for the burger and a bit of chicken but this time it was the the double burger so there you go so it's good i had an uber eats experience today also oh i didn't unlike joe didn't have the common sense to say you know you, you fool me once I said, I said, we'll get, it was actually my brother who suggested we're watching the football together. And so I said, he said, what are you having for dinner? I said, probably some chicken or something. <laughs> and he said, he wanted, a, he wanted to get a pizza. So I said, right, I'll get, I'll order something in. Off Uber Eats, like an idiot. And I ordered uh, from Wow Burger. Didn't feel mm. like a McDonald's. You wanted something better. Yeah. Well, a, a McDonald's would have been. Ten times better than what. Oh I no! Um, first of all, this is this is going to be a little Uber Eats review slash bashing session. You always get the one driver who doesn't know where he's going. First of all, and drives straight past up the road and has to turn around and five extra minutes to the journey. But also, like I appreciate that sometimes when there's you know stuff in close proximity, they might when your order goes in, they might be on the way to pick up another one. Oh, it's on the way. No problem. I always get the one where it's a, a guy who drives to the shopping center 10 minutes out of the way and is parked there for 40 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it would nearly be quicker for me to walk to Wow Burger and get it, which is um, 
like a 45 minute walk from here. We've uh, we've we've curtailed our our Uber Eats use a lot. May, uh, you know, a lot of experiences like that. Um, uh, you know, but also, like, it is so goddamn expensive to get foods on Uber Eats now. Before yeah. you even before you even get to the delivery charges, because obviously there's the 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 items themselves are just more expensive, with more expensive. It, which is yeah. fine. But oh my god, the rate at which they've gone up! It is like like. You should uh, you should never spend north of like thirty five quid on McDonald's for two people. Do you know what I mean? But it's kind of like if you if you want to get like two large meals, maybe a, a small portion of nuggets, and then the delivery fee. That's what you're paying. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, um, I'll, just, I'll just tell you the 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 meal for me today, Wow Burger meal, which was a very bland burger, not particularly nice chips, and a can of Coke Zero. Uh, and I, I did get an extra chips to be fair because I knew I was going to be waiting ages for it to be delivered. Uh, all in all, that cost me twenty five euro for that. Ah, uh, that's ridiculous. And like, yeah, and and the the drinks is where they get you. That Coke Zero probably cost you fucking six quid. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is. It's it's a shame. Um, I feel like we were talking about this over the weekend. Actually, it was just kind of like I feel like like we've re- like all the all the the gig economy apps. All the 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 bloom is fully off the rose. All I hear from people is just terrible Airbnb experiences where it's run by some arsehole. You have to bring your own fucking sheets. It's more expensive than a hotel. Uber Eats super expensive. Always late. Never that good. Uh, it's kind of like it's just it's we're kind of getting back to the stage where I think people are like you know what I'm going to wait next weekend I'm going to stay in a hotel and you know what I'm going to get up and walk to McDonald's how about that you know um, it's just it's just yeah it's it's not great the only issue from here obviously you guys have visited the town where I live uh, the only thing that's within walking distance is McDonald's unless you're walking and I know Joe to you this will be like nothing but unless you're walking an hour and a half two hours there and an hour and a half two hours back. I wouldn't do that just for a burger no well, no exactly <laughs> I do that for fun I have <laughs> but you know on a typical oh there's you know I'm not interested in, in this middle football match let's go out and get something and then go mm-hmm. back and watch football um, the only the only thing within walking distance and it's 25 minutes away each way is McDonald's so get yourself a bike yeah. Unless, you, unless, uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Although, if I if, <laughs> if I left the bike outside of McDonald's, it would be gone when I came back out. Um, unless you just want a tip, a chipper, you know, they have chippers right. around. But sometimes you want something a bit more, um, a bit, a bit more shit than a chipper. A bit more shit than that, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking actually, of, yeah. speaking of, go on, Joe. Did you watch the Man United game this weekend? I up, only up until three now. He can only take so much. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I was I was laughing up until that point, but then it, it's like, well, it's, then he started crying. It's not even funny anymore. It's, it's like pathetic. I will say, <laughs> oh dear. I'll say first, Barry, stop moving your mic, and second, <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen teams. I've legitimately. I'm try. I'm trying not to use hyperbole here. I've seen teams beaten nine nil who put up a better fight than United. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, it's not even the result. The result was obviously mortifyingly bad. Mm. And Barry, you were saying last week that you had seen the United heads on Twitter 
Yeah, I and I, I actually, I again, and I, I think it's just because I associate with so many United fans in my, in my in my atmosphere that like I get a lot, I get a lot of United videos on TikTok all the time. Right. So I saw like the highlights from the game today, like four of the most pathetic goals you've ever seen in your life go in, <laughs> and I was just like, oh dearie me, it's so bad. Everyone was just having a fucking crisis on the time. But th- this <laughs> is the thing: is the the result was bad, four nil to Brentford, who are only in their second season in the Premier League ever. Right. Uh, I don't know about if they were in the, the English First Division before that, possibly they were. Um, but yeah, it was just the, the manner of the goals and just the eh about the whole thing. It, it was it was very, very, very sad uh, to see. I, I'm sure for neutral fans, it was very funny. <laughs> and I get that. Because um, I, I laughed at Arsenal and Spurs last season when they were going through their troubles, and now we're in the shoes, and I understand the pain. But it was it was shockingly bad. Um, just like to the to the point where they are just incapable of even the fundamentals. Uh, you know, pass the ball out from the back. Don't pass it to the lad who's being chased by another player because you're going to kick it. And yeah, and then um, after the Haya. Had a horrible game in goals yesterday. Of course, Man United's second goalkeeper, Henderson, who's on loan at Nottingham Forest today, had a blinder of a game, kept a clean sheet, <laughs> saved the penalty, um, supermanning left and right, stopping every shot that came in. Um, yeah, I don't know. Very, very uh, badly run club, I will say, Manchester United. Yeah. Um, almost exclusively, whenever they come to the fork in the road, they almost exclusively pick the bad option. Who will be our first child keeper? It'll be the Haya, even though there's been questions about him for like the last mm. six years, let's say. Um, Maguire will still be the captain. Uh, who are we going to bring in for for you know a transfer? Uh, Ericsson, who I don't think Ericsson's a horrible player by any means, but when you look at the teams around us who they've been bringing in, we get Ericsson on a free. Uh, Malasia, an unproven left back no one's heard of. Martinez, who I, I think Martinez will still come good. I'm not sure if that's said to but like a five foot nine center back in a league where you have like six foot one, six foot two center forwards. Never mind the feathers. Um, especially lately, yeah, it seems like a lot of the decisions they've been making have been very questionable. And you know, obviously the the big hub hubaloo now, uh, hullabaloo, uh, is um, Glazers out, Glazers out, which is true. You know, I, I I totally understand the point of view of that, but the fact that the players are playing so shoddily is is not directly a result of the Glazers, you know? Well, not signed, directly. The 11 who are on the pitch should be able to put on a better performance than that. Right, but then who's to blame for them being on the pitch? Like ah, you well said, that, we signed, exactly, we signed Ericsson on a free. That's the point. But At some point, it's been 10 years since Fergie left, nine years since Fergie left. Yeah, We've had five different managers, two caretakers, yeah. about 100 different players probably. Like I know, and I saw like Jamie Redknapp, that fucking permatan, <laughs> only way Essex wanker on Sky Sports guy. It's not the Glazers' fault. It's not the Glazers' fault. It's like no, it is. I, I totally yeah, agree. Every, but like, okay, everyone agrees the players are shit and they're not playing well. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone's no. That's we're beyond that. We're like, yes, we know the players are shit, but who is going to bring in new players and the right yeah. manager? You know what I mean? Well, my my point, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think, you're, I think the Glazers fundamentally are the problem. Let's not um, mm. beat around that bush. But the 11 players who are on the pitch, nevertheless, should be capable of better than they put out. Yeah. 
And the problem, I think it's just the spiral. It's a psychological thing as well. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure if you individually, if you individually took all those players and put them in other teams, they'd be really. I think they'd be really good. I think yeah. Maguire would be if he played for City. I think Maguire would be like actually, everyone would think he was fucking brilliant. Well, <laughs> they did probably before be, he joined. Yeah, and same for sure. You know, same for and Sancho is a fantastic player, but as soon as he comes to United, he turns yeah. into shit. Yeah, I was so, asked today if 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 I could completely. Uh, replace every player in the Man United squad. Who's the one player I would keep? Sancho was the one that I said. Yeah. Um, anyway, Joe, Liverpool next week. You'll be watching that, I'm sure. Look forward to that. I hope I hope Ten Hag learns from this. Because the other problem was he was trying to play progressive football with like the split centre-backs and, you know, passing to each other. And crazy Dutch concepts like that. <laughs> you need to just... <laughs> We need a flat, flat line of four, flat line of four, yeah. two defensive strikers. Just defend, defend, defend. Yeah. Get, a, get, get a point. Get big, big Sam in as a consultant. Get him in big. as a centre half, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any worse. Yeah, he's like, he's good for keeping teams in the Premier League. We might need that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I watched the Chelsea Spurs game there today. I thought that was good fun. Mm-hmm. Although Tottenham very lucky to get anything from that game, should have had a player sent off as well right before they scored the, uh, their second goal. And there, there was definitely a foul in the build up to their first goal, but I understand that it was too long mm. for them to disallow it. Mm. But yeah, Chelsea absolutely uh, were the better team in that one. Uh, watched the Nottingham Forest West Ham game earlier, like I said. Very Nottingham Forest are very good. West Ham underwhelming again. And did I watch any yesterday? I don't remember. Oh, she United game, obviously. <laughs> Blocked that out of the old memory. Okay, Doc. Well, that's all the life guff, I think, for this week. That's it. I, that's it. I haven't listened to any music at all. No, you're too busy. Too busy watching tra- watching football. Evidently, uh, I, I listened to one album. I did. There was a somewhat of a surprise launch of the new uh, Megan The Stallion album, which I gave a quick listen to. Uh, it was uh, I, it was a solid like one thumb up. I, I was not super super uh, into it. I think I've talked before about. I think I think when she goes for the singles, I think there's just never a great chorus, and a lot of that stuff kind of misses with me. And I'm more of a fan of the album tracks and and um, more her more like conventional rapping, uh, which was great on this album. And then eh, the more single adjacent kind of stuff didn't quite didn't quite land right. with me but nothing nothing terrible i think uh, i think the song i enjoyed the most was was anxiety it had a completely different beat unlike anything else she had on the rest of the album um a lot of the other stuff it has that problem this is a, always a go-to for me it's kind of like the first like half of the album i can't really pick out individual songs it had a very samey sound on a lot of the the beats and the choruses not a lot of it was hitting me because that one was, was standing out i uh, yeah i'm gonna give it a few more listens i did enjoy it overall but uh did not did not blow me away um that's all i listened to this week i did on the same day i was tempted i, I usually whenever whenever the game drops a new album i'm tempted to listen to it even though i haven't enjoyed one it's very similar to eminem's like i haven't enjoyed one in like 15 fucking years but I'm like, I always give it a go. His new album is two hours long. It is 31 tracks. It has 32 features. That's more than one feature per song. 
And apparently he, he well, not apparently, he does have a, a, a diss track in the Eminem on it. I was like, right, I'll give that a listen. That was getting a little bit of conversation. Fired that up. Ten minutes. I was like, I'm not even listening to this. Ten minutes. You're having a laugh. Oh, my God. I may, I may. It's, it's not getting terrible reviews. It's getting pretty good reviews, actually. I may try and get through that for two hours. Oh, my God. Fuck off. I mean, the game and Eminem doing diss tracks at their age, it, it must be like Goldberg and Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. I had that exact thought. <laughs> I had that exact thought. There was also rumors that he was going to gonna reignite the, the 50 cent. He was like, ah, lads, you're, you're, you're both pushing. You're in your late 40s. Yeah. Let's play, play, quite literally, play a different song. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, let's move on. Come on now. This is this is not Saudi media. You're not getting billion dollar checks to 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 go back and play the hits. But uh, but to yeah. your point about um, hip hop beats and that, I was like watching some videos in midweek about that very subject about the making of mm. some of the more iconic instrumentals. And yeah, I just think that's that's I, I don't want to come off as someone who's kind of out of touch Vincent Van style, but I feel like that's something that's kind of less and less front and center when it comes to modern rap and hip hop is the, the difference in the sounds you hear in the instrumentals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, certainly that's, that's one of my main issues with Eminem. Okay. I, I think his, his, uh, lyrics have become overly like verbose and, um, what's the word for it? Like too, he's like too, trying to be too clever with, I, I think that is a, yeah, uh, it's like, to be keep, plainly a little bit up his own arse in the yeah, last couple of years. Keep it, keep it simple, stupid. And mm. just the rapping quickly thing. Yeah. Is that, is supposed to be impressive. Yeah. I, I could do that. Um, but I think my biggest issue is just that his instrumentals have got really bland and boring. And when I go, when I go back to Marshall Mathers LP or Sim Shady LP or Eminem show, the instrumentals are, are nearly the strong point. As, yeah. You know, the, the rapping is obviously very good and stuff like The Way I Am, which I think is his like standout track. The message is what's good about it, but really the instrumentals are all great. Um, and it's a while since I've listened to a, a, a rap album where I felt that it really kind of nailed. I think the, uh, I don't know how he's regarded in, in hip hop, but I think that Polo G album I listened to last year actually mm. was quite good in that regard. Uh, and obviously, Lil Nas X's album, I think, was also yeah, yeah. Also and, and Lil Nas X, I think, splits the difference between pop quite well. Um, great, but, like super distinct sounding, unique singles that that yeah. are. But he are uses super the same producers a lot, I guess, right? Because you always yeah. have that little um, what's it at the beginning of the song? Take you, take it to ten. Oh, yeah, it's on, it's on every song basically. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I may I may dive into that game album for for next week. Part one, maybe I'll do like ten ten tracks, <laughs> and then by like October, I'll have it finished. Uh, um, anyway, uh, we'll jump in to Telly Goff there, lads. I'm very excited to say I've taken the lead on something that hopefully Paul can do very soon, and I've started a Fraser watch. <gasps> Uh, Brona's first time. Uh, me, I now I was supposed to say I've seen it many times, but like most people, I've taken the entire series in through osmosis via it being on Channel Four for like six out of the twenty-four hours in a day, and Paramount Comedy as well. I've never, I've never watched it sequentially the whole way through. 
Uh, I haven't seen most of these early episodes with his crazy hair, um, uh, so I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that quite a lot. It's all it's relatively new to me. Uh, it's great. It's very funny. It's it's uh, great performances as well. Obviously, um, uh, you know David Hyde Pierce and John Mahoney as the as support roles are great. So fantastic, and they do they uh, and Kelsey Grammer, the big man. You know, I just I well, the one thing I would say every because I haven't watched Frasier so long, and it's been my main my main way of seeing Kelsey Grammer most of the time, at least once during an episode, I'm just thinking to myself, Oh, cousin Merle, really? <laughs> you know, um, that's quite good. That's quite a good impression. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, again, it's another one. Of, so much of these streaming services, the appeal is kind of like what really fun, easy to watch sitcom. Can you find And for, for, for Paramount, I think it's I think it's Frasier. You know that that's quality comfort viewing. Yeah. Well, so, I have um, a um, file in which I keep all the TV shows, like a, an Excel file. Hmm. I just added Frasier to the list. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen a minute of Frasier. I think what? I think you'll like it. I Not think even the little dog getting on the sofa. Yeah. And then Frasier goes, Eddie, you my sofa again. Oh, Eddie! Not don't drink my chartreuse. That's why I got that from Paris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eddie! One of the all-time great TV. Oh, we lost Paul. Oh, there he is. So yeah, uh, Fraser, very, very, very enjoyable. Um, didn't watch any more players this week, but I'll get back to that at some stage. Uh, also watched the first episode of SpongeBob. <gasps> Which is very mm. funny and very charming. Um, beyond that, though, what was not charming? I watched the first episode. I believe you boys did as well of the Netflix Woodstock thing. Um, yes. uh, Woodstock '99 train wreck, I believe it is called. Um, <laughs> I watched. That's the worst subtitle ever. <laughs> I know it is a train wreck, but like, yeah, it's a terrible name. It's a terrible name, and also it's just like the latest in this phenomenon of like multiple people making a documentary about one thing at the same time, I assume spurred by each other. Mm. Um, Cause it was the HBO one last year, two years ago, yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, train wreck Woodstock 99. This also uh, on the subject of trends in you know, the streaming world. I are, I've only watched one episode. I haven't finished it yet. I already kind of feel like you could have got, you could have got this to 90 minutes. Absolutely. You could have, and just called it a film and just stuck, stuck one episode up there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, but you know, uh, all right, all right. You know they've got a lot of the people involved in it um, to speak on the on the record. I didn't, again, I didn't see the previous one. I don't know if they did or didn't. Um, you know, good, but you know, intriguing. Um, they haven't gotten into the real nitty gritty of what didn't work. Uh, they mainly just focused on people asking Cheryl Crow short tits, um, <laughs> uh, and and things like that. One thing, like. <laughs> They kind of they, they touched upon how just the demographics and the type of music and the t- type of people who went to ninety nine was very different than than sixty nine, which is certainly true. You know, the people who listen to fucking you know Limp Bizkit are a different vibe than the people who listen to Jimi Hendrix. That's fine, but I could have done without the fucking um, the the that journalist pontificating about how this was the year Fight Club came out. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> fucking get over it. Oh, my God. And as a, as a number of people have pointed out, Fight Club was also a flop and not at all culturally, not really super relevant at the time. Um, I don't even think it was out by the time the festival happened. It's kind of, it's kind of like when people make a thing about the 80s and the, and the characters all love Evil Dead. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, all right, let's let's tone it down here a little bit. Yeah, Jerry right. Springer and Celebrity Deathmatch. That's the references you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, Springer is Springer's a good one, you know. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched the um, uh, uh, the full thing. We'll probably watch a bit more probably this evening. Uh, who has seen how much of it, and what do you make? Uh, yeah, all of it. All of it. Oh, you watch all of it? Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't. Um, as you say, it's kind of dragged out. And uh, they do try and get into the kind of the reasons behind it. I think a lot of it came down to just it was it was same as like Firefest, where they just didn't spend any money <laughs> on on infrastructure. Right. What it came down to, and charging like twenty dollars for a bottle of water and things like that. You know, in nineteen ninety nine, which was even more money back then. Um, they, they don't really get into kind of or not a kind of concrete or. Uh, decent reason to explain it other than it was very hot and it was expensive. I think there's this, for me, it's kind of a mixture of like entitlement and it was that kind of culture as well. I know like fight club wasn't an influence, but just that the kind of moshing and, and break stuff. Like it was just a, let's just go fucking mental sort of period. Yeah. And then jackass and things I mentioned last week, just a kind of extreme sports and all that. It's just that whole kind of vibe. It was all about like, you know, do and like copying wrestling moves and things like that. Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm sure there was like, a lot of that. Yeah, the whole year. That's just what like young, particularly white, you know, probably affluent men like were doing. You know, moshing and doing stupid like physical shit. Um, and of course, the '90s were like a very um, almost like, you know, it was a prosperous kind of peaceful like decade. Right, there was nothing like we've experienced the last 20 years. It was there was bad things happening, obviously as there always is, but it was quite a I was thinking it was a very like chilled out decade. There wasn't a lot to complain about. You know, yeah. why were Limp Biscuit breaking stuff? We'll never know. Uh, because there were angsty kids from suburbia yeah. who what needed were they to rebelling out, against? You know, yeah. I don't know. There was no wars or anything that they had to go fight in. I don't know. But yeah, it was just it was just that kind of period. And it was probably just like a one off as well. Like it just happened to be really, yeah, that one kind of weekend. It was a bunch of the moons aligned and it just everything yeah. went, you know, everything went wrong. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that it, I mean I don't I don't have a problem with the suggestion that it was it was a culturally different time, you know. You know, they, I think they belaboured the point somewhat, but it was definitely not wrong, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Uh, who? What else has everyone watched this week? Watched a couple of other documentaries, so um, kind of similar to the the uh, Woodstock one. There's one on Paramount called um, I forget what it's called. It's, it's about Victoria's Secret models okay. um, the, and the just the history of that kind of brand and that and the, the catalogue and everything yeah I watched a few um, of those documentaries in the week oh, oh. a little documentary channel 996 on your, <laughs> um, but this was particularly about the kind of rise and fall of the brand and oh. most most notably the connections between the guy that founded it and a certain Jeffrey Epstein so oh. that was really, it was I think it was a four-part documentary, and actually, 
once they get to like part three, they've almost completely forgotten about the Victoria's Secret stuff. They're just off into Jeffrey Epstein. All right. And, and his kind of circle and that whole world of people that were connected to him and flew on his plane and, you know, were on the flight logs, all that kind of stuff. So that's why it was a very strange documentary because at first it, it was a bit like the Abercrombie and Fitch one as well. Because it's the same guy, the guy that kind of resurrected the Abercrombie and Fitch brand and turned it into that huge kind of millennial uh, powerhouse that it was. He also did the same thing with the Victoria's Secret brand, turned that into a huge kind of um, popular brand and on the turn of the century. Um, but yeah, so it starts off talking about the models and how they, they transformed it. And it went from being quite a sort of classy, upscale kind of brand to being like using supermodels and being very sexy and the catalogs were now like women in lingerie instead of women in clothes. And it was, uh, and kind of how that perversely affected beauty standards and that kind of thing. And they go into that and then, then gradually it kind of shifts in, but also this fellow was very well connected to Jeffrey Epstein and, and Jeffrey Epstein bought his house and it was living oh, in the house. Right. And then it's like, okay. And then it does just go off completely into Epstein world. Like there's, they forget all about Victoria's secret. So the strange documentary, I don't know like how it came together, whether they genuinely did want to make a Victoria's secret one. And then the Epstein stuff happened and it was like, right, we got to talk about Epstein. Cause that, that's what everyone wants to watch. That's the now. thing. Yeah. Everyone has to do an Epstein documentary. So they went off into that. I don't know if they, maybe they could have just separated it into two separate documentaries, have one about Victoria's secret, have one about Epstein and how that linked back to it. But anyway, it was, so it was kind of enjoyable, but you didn't get the full kind of Victoria's secret story. Uh, and then you also had to kind of relive all the Epstein stuff about him, you know, how he died and how it was mysterious and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, it was it was a mixed bag and a bit of a bit of a weird one. But I don't know if you if you want to learn more about Jelaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew and uh, the Lolita Express, then yeah, give that give that a watch. And um, the other documentary we watched. Speaking of topics that have been quite well covered uh we watched the princess which was a documentary about princess diana um now i'm already quite familiar with the princess diana story having seen of course. About 30 documentaries uh, with about her and the crown several times but uh, i really michelle wanted to watch this i think she'd read reviews of it or someone had mentioned it it's quite a unique style because it purely uses uh, news footage there's no kind of narrator or talking heads or any kind of like narratives sort of told to you it is purely archive kind of news footage or um like home movie footage that's all kind of put together to kind of tell this story of mm. how she went from like marrying prince charles through to her death so that's not the kind of documentary I would normally enjoy because I do like having that kind of narrator or the, or the person leading you through it. But I have to say it was brilliantly done and I would probably watch like another one like that on a, on a similar kind of topic because it, it was very kind of engaging and you felt almost a bit kind of voyeuristic because you're watching all this footage and sort of living through it almost. So, yeah, I'd, I would recommend that, The Princess on, uh, on Princess Die. Yeah, to a few more, few documentaries there. Did they get across in that documentary, though, of just how much of a free spirit Ghislaine Maxwell was? <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm all caught up with the Arsenal Amazon Prime documentary, All or Nothing. Uh, I watched the first three last week and i watched the the fourth one only so far this week it comes out on thursdays 
So I was hoping to have caught up by now, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch him. Uh, very good. Makes me like Arsenal a lot. Makes mm-hmm. me like Mikel Arteta a lot. He is a very nice man. Even though he does draw a heart and a brain holding hands as uh, as a method of uh, encouraging grown adult men. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I've watched a, a fair number of these like fly on the wall football documentaries by now. And I think this is a good one. There's, there's, uh, it's a good season to do Arsenal. It's obviously not their worst season. One of the other two seasons prior might have been funnier in that regard. But you do have the uh, Obama Yang as captain and subsequently being booted out of the club. And there's a lot of interesting story threads. Uh, and so far, a very good watch. Uh, halfway through, there's, there's eight episodes uh, with the final two being released this coming week. So I'll hopefully have a, a full... A review of that. Wouldn't it be great if they were doing a Manchester United one this year? Would it? I mean, as a as 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 a subject for a documentary, yes. <laughs> but weirdly, United, even though they're they're happy to jump into bed with uh, toilet paper sponsors and you know the Manchester United's official lettuce provider, um, they're like weirdly reluctant to anything to get involved in anything that is like actually modern or you know anything they're not entirely in control of but that arsenal documentary continues to be quite good like i say it's definitely a very positive uh, approach to it it makes you kind of like a lot of the players and and the staff so um if you're going in to to really get uh, the dirt and so on i don't think you really get that i think it's it's a mostly nice uh, documentary with obviously mm. you're, you're kind of pulling for the team. Come on, boys, let's let's win. Let's get in the top four, which I'm excited to see because that's that's the other element of Arsenal's season last season. Spoilers for people watching the documentary who don't know how the season ended last year. <laughs> um, you know, Aubameyang does leave the club um, and then Arsenal seem like they have the top four in their little hands and somehow like, you know, like water. It just slips through the fingers, mm. um, unfortunately. So that was All or Nothing uh, Arsenal, episodes one to four, and that is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, let's give that a watch. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to check it out, Joe, at some point. I will you, do. You've watched the, you watched the Tottenham one last year. I watched right? the Spurs one, and what's the other one? I watched the Sunderland one. There was a City one. There was a I Leeds watch that. one. I don't want to watch. But the, the Sunderland and Leeds one were, were different series. Yeah, I did watch. I've watched Sunderland and the Spurs one, which were both really, really good. Um, yeah, what I, I liked the Sunderland one especially because it was more kind of from the fan point of view. Yeah, um, these are very different, obviously. No, I think the Arsenal one is 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 good. I, I feel like if you've seen all the other ones, it lessens kind of the impact of this. I think the first one you watch is always kind of going to be the best one. Hmm. But it is it is good. It is good, and uh, there's there's enough interesting stuff that happened in their season to make it worth a watch. I thought the Tottenham one was really. Interesting and entertaining, but ultimately their season, there wasn't a lot of drama to it. Yeah. Anyway, we got movies to talk about. We got mm, movie guff to talk about this week. Uh, who has a movie they would like to talk about? I've got a couple. I mean, we all we've all seen one, so uh, well, we we can maybe keep that to the end. Uh, but I, the other two I watched were Clue, 
One of one movie I've watched many times uh, before. I love a bit of Clue. And it's on Paramount Plus. So oh, I it thought, is. Okay. Yeah, I thought, well, come on, it'd be rude not to. Um, the be- the best game adaptation movie ever. You know, if you're including video games and board games, I, I can't really think of any better. Um, until they do the Scrabble um, <laughs> universe next of year. Of course, Boggle. yeah. <laughs> Boggle versus Scrabble. <laughs> the, the Scrabble universe Boggle shows up in the post credits. <laughs> it's, it's Boggle. <laughs> um, yeah, but really, it's so funny, and I love the ending uh, or the multiple endings. I was discussing with Michelle actually because we were talking about the idea of you know going to see that film and getting one of the endings and then not realizing that there were multiple endings because there was no you don't come out and look at Twitter and realize that yeah. something else has got a different ending and you know, not finding out for kind of months or years later. And why don't they bring that back? If they want to get people into the cinemas, how about a bit of exclusive cinematic content that you only yeah. get in the cinema? You only get Blorco at the cinema. You don't get him on Disney+. <laughs> That's what's going to get people into cinemas. So well, anyway. not, e- not even Blorco, but you can you can do minimal differences. Hmm. Kind of like the, the sticker collecting or the card collecting thing, right? It's like, well... There are three versions of the film being released, uh, so it, you you have to go you know, the the real marks for your, your MCU or whatever. Hmm. You don't have to buy more than one ticket to see all the differences and all the little. It's an interesting thought. I mean, it's it's absolutely horrendous from like an ethics point of view, but from a business point of view, they do they do no for stuff like Spider Man. They do re-release it when they want to milk when they want to get like one place higher on the all-time fucking box office list. Yeah. This, but like Spider Man No Way Home, they put back out with I think an extra five minutes of footage or something like that, like in like February. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just deleted scenes quick. On on controls out, controls out. Put them back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah watch that also a film that um i kind of been meaning to watch but never got around to for for many years now uh stupid crazy love uh with steve carell ryan gosling mm-hmm. emma stone Judy oh Moore, yeah marisa yeah. tomei there's there's a lot of really top actors in that and i read on the imdb trivia actually there's a couple of the, the first two bits of trivia were around no one liking the name and Steve Carell saying it was a terrible name and they wish, wish they'd called it something else. And I actually think part of the name is kind of what put me off watching it for a long time because it's, it's just such a bad name, crazy, stupid love. Um, but actually a very good film. Um, so it's written by the guy that does This Is Us, which I didn't realise. Okay. Uh, which uh, Michelle and I both enjoyed. So, um, yeah, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling plays a kind of sleazy pickup artist, wingman type who helps impending divorcee dad steve carell get back you know get back into the dating game but then it's not kind of as, as uh it's not as conceptualized as that it does go off into a bit more of a, a, a kind of drama a comedy drama but it goes off more into the family and the impact on the family so i, I overall i i really enjoyed it I, I do like steve carell in dramatic roles i don't enjoy his comedy at all um but some of my favorite performances are from him in, in dramatic roles so i enjoyed that yeah i think that's a definitely one i would recommend if you've if you've never gotten around to checking it out is it stupid crazy love or crazy stupid love crazy stupid love yeah. crazy stupid love i just call it stupid crazy love that's right but, um, but either way name aside uh yeah thumbs up Alrighty. um 
as part of our, our, our ongoing review of Paramount Plus as a service, I will say that um, they should probably do a better, they should have a carousel on their app that's like, here's all our like proper classic movies that you you will know straight away, even if yeah. you don't know their Paramount movies. Like, I only just discovered a couple of days ago that they have all the Mission Impossible movies, all of them. They're all on there, uh, which is so rare for a service to have, especially a, a films franchise that, that has like six uh, or, or yeah six entries. So rare they have everything. But um, uh, we were lazing around there one day uh, about a week ago, and we wanted to watch... Um, uh, or uh, Brona suggested we watch um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, which I have never seen before. And I Googled it, and the little Google thing that shows all the places you can watch it didn't have it to rent, not on Netflix, all this other stuff. Uh, we, the Chromecast has a built-in feature that scrapes all that stuff off the internet and says, here's where you can watch it. Turns out it is on Paramount+, Plus, but it doesn't feed into any of that stuff yet. Hopefully it will at some point. So they're not surfacing their their the depths of their library. And you go on there, you open up the app, and it's all these dreadful-looking original shows. Oh, my God, they all look like cack. I will never watch half of these fucking things. And like you keep scrolling, and it's basically just kind of like original show, original show, fucking six different South Park things. Uh, uh, and MTV Carousel and Nickelodeon Carousel, and you have to go looking for something like um, Breakfast at Tiffany's or Mission Impossible. So these are these are these are household name classics. You should put them on there. Anyway, roundabout facts. I think that I think that I think that app and 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 service are I'm, uh, still a mixed bag, but I'm glad I have them. Anyway, we watched Breakfast at Tiffany's. I had never seen this before, but as most people have, you you pick up you've a heard, lot. You've heard the song. I've heard the song and I was like, right, well, I know, I know the gist of this. I've picked up, I've picked up most of what this movie is and it's kind of iconic imagery and moments through osmosis, right? You, you know, Aubrey Hepburn, obviously in her most iconic role and just one of the most beautiful starlets in the history of Hollywood. And she's also amazing in the movie. And it's a sweet kind of story about a, uh, a crazy disorganized New York gal trying to, you know, uh, organize her love life and her just life in general and all this other stuff. Something that I had honestly never heard of ever about this movie. I'm watching the movie and it's got this the lovely old timey way they used to do credits, which is that they've got this little tone piece playing where Hepburn's walking around and she's eating like a croissant as she like peruses the, the Tiffany's window and then she's walking up the New York street and they're just showing the names and the producer credits and all this and stuff. It's something they don't do really anymore. And then it pops up and Mickey Rooney as Mr. Yugoshi. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh oh. That sounds like the name Uh-oh. of a character that is a person of color. And Michael Rooney, you are not a, a person of color, sir, as far as I'm aware. Unless I, I have not done his, I have not done his uh, genealogy uh, uh, report. I didn't send any of his DNA off to any of those websites. But uh, I didn't think so. So, literally, the first scene then after the credits conclude. Hepburn's character goes into her apartment. Oh, she's such a mess. She forgot her key. She has to ring the bell and get the landlord up. And then Krusty the Clown doing the Miso Solly routine pops up. Just missing the flapping dicky. I mean, how? Uh, maybe I'm just uh, naive that I did, I've i never heard this debated or, or discussed. I know obviously it was. I read up on it after the fact. I know it's highly contentious. But I just like, I cannot, I could not process this as I was watching it because it's also like, it's like something from a different film. Also, it doesn't work 
at all within the context of the movie. And leaving aside that I don't think I would want to watch a movie that it does uh, uh, fit in within the context, but it's just like, like this weird, like very sort of like navel gazy, like old timey, old school romantic story about this this uh, uh, woman whose life is in disarray and by chance stumbling across, you know, spoiler, the person who pretends to be her love and they kiss in the rain and and then every couple of scenes, there's this like I just can't even describe it without without veering into to dangerous territory. It's absolutely outrageous. I couldn't fucking believe it. And yeah, like I said, just missing the flapping dicky. That's all that was missing. Um, but other than that, it was it was all right. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird because it's not even like something like the Love Guru is what springs to mind, where you've got. Mike Myers playing a very kind of problematic sort of almost Eastern character. It's not like that. It's not like someone playing a sort of silly comedy character who's maybe a, a borderline, I don't know, different race or ethnicity. It's, he is just playing an Asian man. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it's not a comedy. I, well, I don't think it's supposed to be funny that he's like dressing up as a different ethnicity. It's just... No, it's supposed it's supposed to be that, that, that Asian people are funny and sound and talk funny. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not that he's doing it. It's that, that it's that it's just you're supposed to. I think yeah. laugh at the way they talk. I think is the yeah, way it's exactly. To be. It's not like him doing it is the funny bit. It's no the character is the funny bit, but he's playing it. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's not even an Asian. Yeah, it's not even making fun of an Asian actor doing it and doing the stereotypes. Like yeah. that was a bridge too far for old Hollywood. Like we. Should, oh, well, we're going to make fun of the Asians. Should we get an, an Asian fellow? Nah, nah. Get tell you what, get get a little Irish American fella. <laughs> get the mixer. Play, yeah, get the old uh, paint him up a bit and <laughs> see what God. we can do there. Oh. Is that kind of carried on? There's also the film. Um, oh, what's it called with Johnny Five the robot? Ba- batteries not included. I think it's I think it's called. But there's a. There's a guy in that playing an Indian character, a white guy playing an Indian character. And that right. was like 1985 or something. God. So I, I just, it is bizarre. It is. It's just really, couldn't believe it. The other thing I was thinking as well is like, oh my God, do they really, do they really think that flew in 1961? And then the other thing, because I was thinking that, I was like, oh, that cat must have had a horrible time on set. That cat was definitely fucking mistreated to fuck. <laughs> like the cat in that movie, the way you trained a cat back then was just like when it didn't do what you wanted, you just like threw a whiskey bottle at it. So it's just like, you know, um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's one for the problematic faves collection. I was curious if, because um, we, we pirated it to watch it because we could, because Paramount did not tell us they had it. I did boot it up out of curiosity to see if they put any kind of disclaimer on it. They just had it in the general age rating thing, like oh, some language and outdated cultural references. I believe they they put they put, which is the the plainest way of, of saying it. But um, yeah, that's breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, you know, yeah, and the funny you can't you can't even edit around that character either. No. The film would be completely unusable. Not that he's pivotal, but he's in so many scenes that that you can't really do anything. Anyway. That's Breakfast at Tiffany's. I did watch, as well as going to a barbecue this weekend, I, I did go to another one of uh, uh, Brona's friends who had a little, we had a little outdoor projector uh, cinema night, which was quite nice. Uh, uh, in the in the beautiful balmy sun, we watched the unbearable weight of, you know, what, yeah, unbearable weight of massive talent, absolutely horrendous title. 
um, uh, for a film. Uh, that is the the sort of mm. Nick, Nick Cage meta thing with Pedro Pascal. Um, uh, it's it's good. I enjoyed it. I, I think it kind of. Um, I was kind of apprehensive about it because I just don't really think all in especially in twenty twenty two the Nick Cage meme does not hit with me as much or didn't really ever to be quite honest with you I don't find him to be that especially funny I think a lot of the time he's been in stuff that has just been sort of unironically shit and not enjoyable but he's also still very very talented and I thought he was pretty good in this you know lampooning himself lampooning his movies but also. Um, it was one of those. It was a rare kind of movie that was about movie making that was not cringe. I always, I don't really like that stuff generally. Movies about movies, um, but I think they did a, a pretty good job, and, and I think all the all the performances were good. And Pedro Pascal is fantastic in it. Uh, solid, as you know, it's a solid seven out of ten. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I watched Prey, uh, which Paul talked about last week. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, don't have too much uh, uh, to say about it other than I thought it was really good. Really tight, like, you know, 90-minute uh, uh, sort of action horror type thing. Uh, could have done without the, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Could have done without that. Uh, that's my that's my Paul nitpick of the week, is that I, that's not... I, I didn't mind that in there. Uh, I'm just, I think, do you know what I think the problem is? I don't think it's that, that it was that bad. I just think the well is poisoned on that kind of stuff. I'm just so over all of that. All she, of should, the, she should have said... You one ugly motherfucker. That would have been a good line. Yeah, like I, I, I just uh, you have to do it. I no, actually no, you don't. You don't have to do it. So that's my point. You don't have to do it. Um, maybe, maybe since Halloween kills and uh, evil dies tonight, you're maybe a little burned out on those th- those kind of things. But it is it is really good. Um, that 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 is my type of movie, um, and I think they really nailed it. Um, and also, it was a movie that looked really good. A movie where they went to a place and shot some stuff, which was a nice novel concept. And I thought that, that there's a couple of scenes that really lean heavily on CGI that actually doesn't look bad. I was actually, I thought the bear in, in the big bear scene looked pretty good as far as these things go. Um, so that worked. Yeah. Thumbs up on prey. Um, I did think, what was it? Uh, something mid thunder. What was that? What was that actor's name? Um, Amber she was fantastic in Amber Mid Thunder. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, she was she was fantastic. And uh, before we get to the movie we've all seen, I did watch. Um, uh, you want to talk about apps? Not not pushing stuff. I did. I did watch a movie called Emergency on Amazon Prime. This was a proper. We had searched Disney, searched Netflix, couldn't find anything to to interest us. Fired up Prime, which is always the last result. Was scrolling, saw this. Thought it sounded intriguing enough. Looked it up. I was like 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, okay, that sounds really good. I'll watch it. And it was really good. Uh, just another classic Amazon just having like a banger on its service. From this year, it just came out a couple couple months ago. You'd never know about it. You'd never hear about it. They don't push it. They don't advertise it. Anyway, I watched Emergency. It was a lot of fun. It is a sort of dark comedy. Um, kind of like almost almost breaking on like a modern kind of exploitation movie. It's leaning very heavily on ripped from the headlines uh, uh, mindset and, and very unsubtly doing satire, but in a way that I still thought was amusing. And it, it also has a weird level of tension to it as well. It's kind of, it balances tension and laughs really well. It's about these um, uh, college students, these two black college students in America who are planning the biggest, you know, super bad style, crazy party session uh, to end their, their college year. And they go back to their, their uh, accommodation and there's like a white girl passed out on their floor and they debate whether or not they should call the cops lest they be, thrown into the the you know 
be accused of do, of doing something they didn't do and it goes from there and it kind of it kind of shifts it's like it's like it starts off super bad or book smart and then it goes all like good time in the second half which i really appreciated very good two fantastic performances at the center of it uh, uh really really enjoyed that so yeah that's emergency that's on prime uh, and i would give that uh, two thumbs up um yeah and i suppose the last thing i watched just before i came in to do this podcast um, I believe we all have watched Nope, nope. the new Jordan Peele picture. Um, will we chat about it without spoilers, and then maybe we can do a little spoilery thing, or will we just do a big spoilery thing and stick it at the end of the episode? Well, let, let's do a very short what our thoughts are, and you know, just to recommend it, and then we can go in detail at the end. Alrighty, uh, Joe. What did you? What, what? What is your? What is your elevator pitch on on whether or not someone should see Get Out or Nope? Sorry. <laughs> uh, definitely see Get Out. Definitely see Get Out. Totally. totally yeah. Um, nope. I really enjoyed. I maybe surprisingly so. Um, to be honest, it was the only thing out worth seeing this week, which is why we went to see it. There was absolutely fuck all else on, unless you want to <laughs> DC Super Pets. Um, so we went and sorry, but I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, but maybe even more so than his previous films. Um, I like the kind of uh, ambiance of it, the, the feeling of it. I like the world. I, I really liked the two leads, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. Thought they were both really, really good. And um, I, you know, we'll get into the details of it. It wasn't perfect. There are a few crit- criticisms I had, which is why I didn't go with the big five. Mm. I only went for the four and a half. But um, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the whole the whole experience of it and you know, kind of being in that world. So yeah, recommended from me. What about you, Paul? I, again, I, I always have to be the contrarian to an extent, don't I? Um, uh, you don't have to be. I mean, you choose to be. But I don't. Know. I don't choose, Barry. I can't. <laughs> I can't help how I feel about a thing. Um, That's true. I thought. It, it, well, I went in with tempered expectations because I loved Get Out. I think Get Out is basically perfect, apart from the last 60 seconds, which if you have a physical copy of Get Out, uh, if, you've, if you haven't had a chance yet, watch the alternate and much better original ending until apparently it was changed under studio pressure. Um, I didn't really get on well with Us. I thought Us had some interesting ideas, but didn't tie them together in a super satisfying way and it kind of lost me a lot towards the end I was kind of with you on on that one yeah and with nope I feel like whereas us had me more excited at points so it had higher highs and much lower lows I felt like nope was kind of a straight line of consistently okay and and not much better than that Um, I didn't I thought the characters were, were kind of underwritten. I didn't really get their motivation a lot. I, mean, I, I got their motivation. The problem was that it didn't. their motivation didn't make me like them anymore, necessarily. I thought some of the more interesting characters were kind of underplayed, um, and their stories didn't really pay off in a, in a satisfying way. And then I thought the, the, the ending was a bit silly, and I, I, I kind of wasn't into anything in the last... 10 to 15 minutes of the movie kind of lost me completely by then but there were definitely moments of like there were moments of 10 out of 10 brilliance in there which we'll talk about uh shortly 
but generally speaking, I thought it was a little bit undercooked. I, I was neither overwhelmed nor underwhelmed. I was merely whelmed. I saw someone write that on Letterboxd, so I'm stealing it. It was fine. It was okay. I, I, I wasn't disappointed because I didn't expect so much, but nor was I kind of blown away by it. I thought it was, that was okay. I I'm certainly closer to Joe on on, on the scale. I, I I thought it was great. Um, I, I thought it had its its misfires, um, but I did really enjoy it. I I was also fairly tepid on us. I've been I've been meaning to rewatch it. It felt like it that is maybe the ultimate to me. Felt like it was shooting for the moon. Um, uh, movie. And I just feel like a lot of it didn't hit with me on on a first viewing. Whereas, uh, and 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 then I, you know, I, I I similarly had tempered expectations for Nope because it was kind of okay. I didn't really like you know us. And then I was watching the trailers. And I was like, yeah, you know, it looks okay. You know, it looks intriguing. But I'm not getting. You don't get much from the trailers. The trailers really do not tell you much of anything about what the movie really is. Um, uh, and then, but then I went in and I, I have to say I, I really liked it. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was uh, a bit slow in parts. I think it. It, it was. I had a handful. There was a couple of pacing issues um, uh, that didn't quite sit right with me. But generally speaking, I, I thought it was great. And I thought the, the central performances were great. And I. I think. I think Jordan Peele is a, a a fantastic director. I think I think if I if I had qualms with him, I feel like he's not as great a writer uh, as he is a director. I think I, I I love I love the craftsmanship of his films, and I do feel like his films are now in that conversation where when they come out in the cinema, you're like you have to go and see them in the cinema because they look great and they sound phenomenal. And I think the the the, the sound mix on the on this movie is great, and I think it's it's proper proper old school go to the cinema movie movie do you know what i mean um but um yeah you know some of the writing there's also like you know his, his jokes his, his films do have the you know their their share of jokes and they're usually pretty good i thought most of them didn't quite hit for me in this until the very end um i thought kiki palmer was really good i thought her character was a little bit grating um uh and and a, a lot of her kind of comedy antics didn't really hit with me but um yeah, I suppose we can we can we can save it there, uh, uh, and and maybe I don't know if we want to just draw the line in the sand here and say this is this is the spoiler conversation, and either I don't know put a timestamp out or do you want to chop it and put it at no, the end let, of the show? Let's just let's just keep going, and I'll chop it till the end. Alrighty, from there we will jump into uh, video game guff. Um, yeah, let me just mention off the bat, I'm still just playing Horizon. But I feel like I'm coming to the end. What's your What's your indication of that? Um, I looked at a YouTube playthrough okay. um, playlist, and they had like sixty three half hour videos or sixty four half hour videos, and I I'm through like fifty two of them. That's the point where I am. Right. So I'm like five six through the game. Um, I'm forty hours in now. Uh, but I, I've, I've got a 55% overall completion. So I get the feeling that there's a lot of the little side stuff that I haven't really touched. The, uh, yeah. Kill 9 million enemies in three minutes and get a, this little one item that you don't need. So I'm not <laughs> really going to bother that. I think I will um, obviously finish it, but I think I will try and get the platinum as well. And then once I finish it and once I got the platinum and at least do the side quests and the collectibles... At least the collectibles that kind of are counted as collectibles, not not the nine hundred uh, data. Uh, highlight the data and read a little MP three text file from. Won't bother with that. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm coming to the end. I'm playing it a lot at the moment. Like 
I think I played it four hours last night. I was playing it until like 3 a.m. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking to get it done and dusted, but uh, still very much enjoying it. Still have nitpicks about it, <laughs> especially when compared to other modern open world games. Climbing in particular takes forever. Um, and I, you know, just to, just briefly, I know that running in real life and flying in real life is not the same speed as climbing a mountain. But when you're traversing through the game and you're used to a certain momentum, right? And then you start climbing real slow. Yeah. It's not a fun feeling. It's not a fun feeling. Have, have the climbing be artificially a bit quicker than it is. Yeah. I, I and, and just where you can and can't climb annoyed the shit out of me. Um, and also, there's, there's little stuff like that, that in a 2022 game. I think there's stuff you have to sacrifice from like reality in the name of the game being fun to play. So when you're running as Aloy and you know, the way you're picking up the, um, the blue medicinal plants to heal yourself, you can't run past it and tap triangle and she picks it up and you continue running. She stops every time, does a little crouch down animation, picks it up and you then you continue running. Yeah. And when you're picking up 15 of those in a row, it's run a little bit, stop, crouch, pick it up. I run think bit, stop, crouch, pick it up. you can. I think that if you go into you the settings, I think they <laughs> they in a in a fairly recent patch. I haven't booted it up in, in a couple okay, of months. I, so I, don't, I will look. But I, heard, I heard this mentioned because that is really annoying. Like it's a quick animation, but not quick enough. Um, and in the first game, yeah. it, it, they just kind of fucking materialized in your hand. Look, uh, your your, your cutscenes are realistic enough. I don't need every little thing to be animated. I understand it's a video game. It's fine. Okay, I'll look into that. If, if that is true, then I will retract my criticism. <laughs> but it is annoying. Very, very annoying. Yeah. It takes me back to Firewatch. You remember Firewatch, which, for the record, I, I did really enjoy. Yeah. But Firewatch had a mechanic where where you your map wasn't like on screen. It was on a... Uh, you like held the bit of paper and you would hold it up in front of your face. You'd see the map. And that was really cool. But you like couldn't run and look at the map at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, okay, I get you're going for like reality in a highly stylized game, which doesn't make sense anyway. But like, let's not impact the fun of playing the game in the name of, well, you really shouldn't like run and have a map in front of you, right? Anyway, Horizon is good. Ooh, I see someone's playing the fucking Stanley Parable. Ooh, baby. That's right. I'll, I'll run through my, my, my list of games here. I finished something I talked about last week, Citizen Sleeper. Um, which is a role-playing game with tabletop e elements uh, on Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> that um, that shot to certainly in the top three conversation for my games of this year. Um, Ooh, hello. I thought I thought it was a a fan effing tastic game. I thought the writing in it specifically was incredible, and I will say. Uh, it's all kind of conversation based and, and kind of monitoring your metrics, your money, your health and all this other stuff. So I know there's copious amounts of branching paths I missed because you can only do one thing. And I'm torn between going back and picking a different class and picking all the opposite decisions I made and X, Y, Z. And I was, I enjoyed my playthrough of it so much. that I'm like, I don't even think I want to do that because I think I just want my playthrough to just be the way I experienced that game. And I can like talk to other people who played it and see if they did different stuff and I'll, or, I'll, or I'll YouTube stuff. I feel like I, I so enjoyed that, how well-crafted that experience was that I don't necessarily want to go in and go against my instincts and like pick all the wrong stuff or go in the other directions. That's not really me. 
fantastic. That's on Game Pass. It's also on PC and Switch. I would highly recommend it. If anyone has any interest at all in like narrative adventure games, I think the role-playing game elements are, are, are interesting, but they're not overbearing. I actually found after being quite tense early on, I actually thought it was fairly simple by the time I got into the actual kind of end game. So I wasn't fretting too much about my character's health. But uh, fantastic, fantastic. And there, there is various endings and, and quests take you different places. And uh, I, I was kind of, it's one of those things where I was kind of compelled by, there's little there's little indications of, oh, well, you didn't go down this path. So here's what you might have seen or may, you missed out. And I was really compelled by them. Certain like shithead characters who's kind <laughs> of like, I kind of like tried my best to get away from. And then you you kind of pick up a, a crumb of what happened at the end of the story, but you didn't see it. Um, so yeah. Citizen Sleeper, absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, just great, like, great. And like I said last week, it's like you're not moving around in an environment. You don't actually have, it's not like a, it's a completely like menu and dialogue screen based game, but like so atmospheric, absolutely fantastic soundtrack, gorgeous character art. Really, as well as any AAA game, puts you in that world and really just really sets the tone. So, absolutely fantastic. Highest recommendation for that. Not very high recommendation for Power Wash Simulator, which is. Uh, I kind of thought the whole simulator meme game craze was was kind of down. It's all right. I, I you know I played a couple of levels of it, and in my couple of hours with it, I went back and forth. Oh yes, I I get what people like about this. It's like you know satisfying your your you know you're cleaning dirt off things with a very precise uh, degree of accuracy, and you're getting um you know. Uh, tons of good feedback to you oh you did a good job and all this stuff it's a good podcast game it's like a podcast game on but then it's just like like uh, the levels i liked are like there's one where you clean a van that's the first one you and there's one where you clean a dirt bike and there's one where you clean a house there's bigger levels then where it's like a playground and it's absolutely gigantic and there's a million different things you have to clean and and you have to be like super meticulous with them and it, it was, it's so like, I think this is, a, I think the game would work best in with smaller levels uh, uh, to avoid tedium because I was getting kind of bored. And I know it's like the low hanging fruit, obvious joke to make, but the, but some of the, the, the playground level where it's like, I'm cleaning these big, massive jungle gyms and I'm having to put extenders on my power washer to get into the corners and climb up a ladder to get in there. And I was like, this this is like hard work and I, I'm not especially enjoying it. And it's like, I, I understand what the appeal of it is to everyone. I did, I did get that cathartic feeling. It's not the best looking game in the world, but they've like, you know, they've like a disgusting dirt texture over everything you look at certain stains are more like baked in and they take longer to get off and just kind of like real cleaning it's like satisfying when it's off but um i i the novelty wore off and i think that is the word i think it i think that's a novelty game uh, that's on uh most systems i think and that is also on game pass i would not have spent money on that um so that's that um i completed for the first time ever, I can say that about any game, I, I completed the Battle Pass in Multiverses, the Warner Brothers uh, Smash Bros. game. Really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it's I, I I think the mechanics are great, and they're starting their first proper season uh, next week. They're adding uh, Morty and I think just Morty from Rick and Morty, and a, a new their their proper grandiose. We're officially launching the game, quote unquote. Uh, season next week so thumbs up on that uh, another this is like my this is Barry's free to play corner um, uh, on this week's show <laughs> Multiverses is, is free another free game I, I played this week was Rumbleverse which is a battle royale game brawler with a wrestling aesthetic so battle royale style like Fortnite 40 characters drop into a big city 
in a shrinking circle that they all have to kind of try and stay in and you try and knock people out and last man standing wins. But instead of, you know, Fortnite style, you know, picking up guns or whatever, you land on the map and you quickly have to run around and learn wrestling moves. You pick up like textbooks. And it's like, okay, now I know how to do a choke slam. And that's that's the way it right. is. That's my and so and so and in, in the style of guns in other games, they're like color coded. So it's like you learned a common move, an uncommon, an epic, and the like the epic tier, like you learned like a choke slam. So you're like uh, 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 so you're you're quickly dropping down trying to like uh, learn moves and then use them to take people out. Um, uh, it's it literally just launched, but the UI is little iffy, the matchmaking's taking a long time. So it's a work in progress, I will say that, um, but I'm enjoying it. I think it feels really good. The movement's really good. You can King Kong your way up any building in the in the world, which is really great. And you can do like elbow drops off skyscrapers. And it's it's one of those things where uh, the, the longer you fall from, the more area of effect it does. So you don't have to be very precise. If you see a group of people fighting beneath you, you can just do a big elbow drop off a skyscraper. And the chances of you hitting them is really good. Um, is this a so, Joey Janela simulator? Kind of, yeah, yeah. You're doing yeah. ridiculous fight. The other thing as well is that similarly, um, uh, if you if you're lucky enough to find like a really good slam move, like you've got like Azuna drivers and pile drivers and the choke slam, like I mentioned, if you and another person are fighting on top of a building and you've found a choke slam and you aim it right, you can grab them and you will both jump off the side of the side scraper doing a, a big choke slam or a pile drive or whatever. It's great. It's 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 really fun. It's got a cartoony presentation. It kind of looks a bit like if if Nickelodeon made a cartoon about Lucha Libre. That's that's the aesthetic of it. Um good. Again, another free to play one. Uh, um a bit a bit bit janky. Needs a bit of work, but I, I'm enjoying it. And then as Paul alluded to, I am playing the ultra deluxe version of the Stanley Parable. Uh, the Stanley Parable, probably one of the few biggies from the uh, from that real boom period of the walking simulators. It's one of those ones that I, I did not get to. I played mostly, you know, Edith Finch, Gone Home, all that other stuff, Dear Esther, played all that. Stanley Parable passed me by. I'm not really, I'm not really sure why. I, I heard great things about it. So I got the Ultra Deluxe Edition on Xbox. Um, I did, it gives you a little prompt at the beginning saying, have you played this before? And I said, no. So I'm doing, I've beaten it once, but I want to play through it because I know there's a lot of endings. So I want to play through it multiple times <laughs> to see as much of it as I can before I go to there. I've heard a lot of, I haven't, I've avoided spoilers, but I've heard there's a lot going on in their like new content. So I want to really thoroughly play the base game and figure it out, not figure it out, but kind of experience all the stuff. It's funny. I really enjoyed it. I've gotten the... I I I, quit, I like most people did my first playthrough. I, I picked all like the wrong choices, went all the wrong directions, tried to break it as much as I could, and then the first ending I got was the one where you're like you're disembodied above like the roof of the of the level, looking down at Stanley. I, was, I got that one, uh, and then I quickly realized, I was like, okay, well, obviously I have to see what the follow all the rules is, and it's great. I saw, so I got the normal ending, which is like this really shit trite video game story <laughs> that's like not interesting at all, and you've no saying it and it's badly written and it's so obvious that was that was a lot of fun uh and as i was doing that i you like just going through the normal playthrough you see six little paths you go like okay i'm gonna do this again and then jump out here or i'll turn left here instead of right and so i'm i'm looking forward to it it's funny it's 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 the it's the rare it's the rare funny video game which you always have to appreciate yeah, it is um so i'm not yeah. gonna I, I, I don't have a checklist or anything. I want to get like I'll get like six or seven more endings just so I can say, okay, look, I've I've gotten most of this, and yeah. then I'll and then I'll jump into the new stuff, and we'll see what that is. But yeah, a, a belated thumbs up for the Stanley Parable. 
Yeah, imagine the person who doesn't know what the Stanley Parable is, who stumbles across it, plays through it once, beats it, all right, done with that. Yeah, yeah. More so than stuff like Hitman, the point of this game is to replay it. Like, a playthrough from start to finish of your first run is like, what, seven minutes long, maybe? Yeah, yeah. It's weird, because I looked it up on how long to beat, and it was like... Uh, like completionist is like you know 10 hours or whatever yeah. but they had like main story listed as 90 minutes it's like what metric how are you how are you possibly calculating yeah. that maybe maybe that's beating it and doing the ultra deluxe stuff i don't know i know yeah but this was even i was looking for like original, oh, original stanley bear i was like i was like was is that the, was maybe their rationale kind of like here's all the various endings that are fairly straightforward to get that you would get within like 90 minutes yeah. and then all the other ones are maybe a little bit more arsy um i don't know maybe anyway that's uh that's that um do uh yeah that's the that's the game so we get another another busy week lots of good games out at the moment yeah um uh, lots to be playing uh and with that we will jump in to wrestling guff what did we make of the wrestling this week lads Dynamite was very good. It was. I enjoyed it a lot. And I have no nitpicks of Dynamite. So I'm excited to see. And I think I'm, I've, I've got a good eye for a nitpick. I still haven't watched uh, Rampage, by the way. Like Rampage was... Pretty rubbish. It was. It's AEW main event. That's essentially what, yeah. it, what it was. Like, and I, I actually quite enjoyed watching it. It's one of those I put it on on a Saturday morning and it's just on. I don't necessarily watch the whole thing. And for that, it's like I quite enjoyed whatever was on there. But again, it's not like it's not a dynamite. It's not even the B show. It's the C show. That's it. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, let's run that's through it. the show anyway. I I sat down on Thursday afternoon, ready for this fucking show, and I booted up my little fight TV gimmick, mm. press play, and uh, Brody King is bleeding already, and the match seems to be ten minutes in. Yeah, and Excalibur is cutting to commercial as well. What um, happened there? Where's the Where's the show? I don't know. I was exactly like you. I I waited until dinner time on Thursday so me and Brona could watch together after work. Same exact thing. Uh, there was some fuck up live, and in the twelve hours since they had gone off air, Fight TV said they would fix it. As of Thursday night, it was not fixed. So I had to go and I downloaded a version of it. But of course, the uploads that people put online are always the American version oh, with okay. um, with the actual picture in picture. So you got to watch Domino as well. Brody Lee's bleeding all over, or Brody King's bleeding all over the corner of your screen. Oh, so I watched the first segment of the match via download and then when it caught up to where the broken fight version was i flicked back to fight not a great experience no um but uh brody king and darby was great nonetheless anyway i and, yeah uh, i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it however <clears throat> oh we're getting right into joe's nick pick nick pick nip <laughs> nitpick of nitpick of the week and it's joe's so maybe nip, joe's nipple pick of the week. my nipple pick of the week and it might actually it might not even be a nitpick it's just a criticism well, mine are all criticisms. Yeah, but like, there's a bit, you know, a nitpick is a small little. Like, yeah, but Tony Gerardi should have been scared of Hobbs. You should <laughs> This is a nitpick. When so Sting is in the coffin, right? It's great, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They open the coffin. Sting's lying there with the baseball bat. Oh my god, it's Sting! Brilliant. The only problem is, uh, I can't remember his name now. Buddy Murphy is that what they call yeah. him these days? Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews. So yeah, Buddy Matthews. Open. He opens the lid. Stings in there with the bat. What does he do? 
how does Buddy react? He doesn't. He just stands there. He had a look of frightenedness on his face. He, he didn't even have that. He just stood there like, oh, it's Sting. A Sting mm. took an hour to stand it's like, up. It's like if, I, if you open a coffin and Sting is in there with a baseball bat, you either have to shit your pants or you have to attack him. Like you can't, you can't just stand there like, oh, it's Sting. Yeah, 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 Whoops. Yeah. He should have been, oh, God, back against the barricade. Like, oh, it's Sting. Like, and then try to attack him and Sting going to hit. He stood there. He didn't sell it at all. And for me, that kind of ruined like the moment. Yeah, he needs to be watching his his mid nineteen eighties Hulk Hogan tapes for lessons on how to overreact to everything. No, he should have watched. Was it um, or Santana or Ortiz who no sold? <laughs> what was it? He, he can't remember what he sold now, but he was on the apron and he sold. Yeah, he took a bump on the apron. He, he took a bump shot. off of something that happened in the ring, and it was hilarious. That's what I don't. I don't remember what it was. Oh, but the fact that, that was, we but... remember that moment is. Yeah. <laughs> More telling it was like us, a slap, or the re- no, the, didn't the referee like eject someone or some something like that? I he think su- that's what he it was. Sold, he sold that. He did kind of a Ric Flair style. Buddy Matthews needs to be watching his uh, his Ortiz tapes tapes because uh, yeah. No, I, I as a, as a fellow nitpicker, I would agree on that. Yeah, but other than that, I really enjoyed the match. I liked the the visual of uh, uh, Darby choking out. Brody with the chain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave him the, the old coffee. chiropractic. Uh, yeah, neck, neck grab thing, and then the hole in one in the coffin was that was great. great that was time. perfect. No, great timing. I agree. When but when Sting was in the coffin, Sting he should have opened his eyes and maybe pointed the bat at Buddy, and Buddy could have, oh no, you're gonna come at me with a bat or something. Yeah, something to your point. Yeah. Sting just stood up very slowly. And yeah, and he's sixty two. Yeah, or and it's hard to sit up in a coffin. No, no, but you as a creative person have to think about that and say okay well yeah so how do you kind of manage that, that? yeah exactly. give, give him a gun <laughs> i mean or, as we like know, spring load the coffin so just go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old Malachi black gimmick yeah um no but to your point yeah uh, you know matthew should have been so shocked that you took a bump that would have been the perfect yeah. perfect thing to do um no the match is the match is very very good um then we had uh, Chris Jericho interviewed, and he—I I was enjoying the little moustache he had going recently, but he, he shaved it off this week. Mm. Um, I'll just say, uh, Chris Jericho, if you are listening, uh, just keep the Lionheart look going. You look about twenty years younger. It took years <laughs> off him. It really did. It really did. Um, yeah, even the way he had his hair styled made him look younger. Keep it up. Um, then we had the the Lucha boys have their their tag. Oh, no, great. no rules tag match. Oh, baby, these boys were going. And, and you think he would have been content with them just removing tags? With Jr. says, oh, "One less thing for the referee to fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe if you're gonna have. I know they didn't do it on this show, but you know what they've been doing lately, where Jim Ross comes out like during the show. Yeah, front load your stuff with the your sh- front load your show with the stuff that Jim Ross is going to complain about, so he's not there for it. Um. Also, I, I don't know. This isn't the this isn't the nitpick necessarily, but this is this is a recent phenomenon. Penta loves taking his mask off, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's actually that's a Brona's nitpick of the last six months is that she's kind of like they they do the mask taking off every fucking week and i'm like you're dead right because it's supposed to be this 
shocking, sacrilegious, terrible thing they do. But oh my god, they've done it so fucking much. At least I thought this one was clever, where he like took it off himself because he was tied to the rope. No, but which is did, a, a, another spot they've done ten million times. Yeah, but they, they, did it, the they did it more clever before. Because okay, let's get our nitpicking fucking hats on here. Go on. They've established in recent weeks that Roosh and Andrade take off their masks, right? They're being uh, the Lush Bros, not the Lush Bros. Yeah, they take their own masks off every week. That's their right. Yes, right? but that's yeah. But we know that they've taken off Phoenix's mask and they're taking off Penta's mask, right? We've seen Penta before in the tied to the rope thing, and he had like a second little mask on under his main one. Remember that? Yes, it wasn't his big. It was like a, a skin tight head one, but in the same design. So why, if the Penta boys, the Lucha Bros, know these boys are going to try and fuck our masks, where the little second one underneath, he gets tied to the thing, he comes out, oh, he's got another mask on. Obviously, in this case, no, because he needs to be on the outside. Maybe they're building the finish. That. Maybe they'll do that next week. But Yeah. In the trios. Uh, trios tournament, yeah. I did notice, though, that Pentagon had like his whole face painted. Yeah, oh, yeah. We, you know, that was smart. Um, yeah, he normally doesn't. Uh, even, I, even when he has the mask come off, I yeah, uh, I, I was pleasantly so because I was thinking the Lucha Brothers would win this, but then I was hoping the Bruce team would because like they're in the tournament and they they did win for that presumably for that exact reason, so that was good. Um, yeah, I mean the the uh, faction in Gornoble, they do feel like fresh and new and exciting, whereas Lucha Bros as good as they are, they've done kind of everything at this stage, they've you done know, kind of so. I don't mind to see that result. Um, what else did we have here? Uh, Jungle Boy attacking Christian backstage again. Yeah, another week of that. Yeah, yeah and then he, he saw his head-butted uh, Pat Buck, and oh, it was kind of nothing this week. Bit lame. Bit lame. I, 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 I can't believe we're getting, like, the, the one thing I was hoping for when the Christian turn happened was, like, well, at least we're, we're probably not going to be getting very much Luchasaurus going forward. You know, they're obviously phasing out that. You know, and now he's. I the liked one who's, when he was with Christian. That was that was. I, I, I thought that was okay. I thought that was a sensible direction. But I wouldn't say like I, I just like there's no use for him. Like he's to be fair, look, he over delivered a lot on pay per view when it came when it came time to have the good matches he did. But I just I don't have any time for him really. And now he's going to do this tortured cane. Oh, I, I don't yeah, know my is, own strength. He's with Jungle like, Boy. Why is he still the cane character? But even the, the, oh, no, I hit, not Pat Buck. You know, like, uh, that was, yeah, I don't know. That was that was uh, not not a good escalation, given that Jungle Boy tried to kill Christian with a car the week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not from that to, oh, Luchasaurus accidentally headbutted uh, a man who was himself until recently a wrestler. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Jay Lethal and his, his gang. <laughs> Just... Constantly impact world order. <laughs> oh, what was the band? Oh no, they had the Wolfpack theme in in, in impact. Yeah, Hogan had the NWO. Yeah, yeah. Um. So are 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 they? Is 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 Wardlow and Satnam a pay per view match? Hardly. Or are, I, I would have it be a pay per view match, and it just be that he gives him a big old power bomb. My other my other question would be yeah I mean it's obviously they're look and the power bomb will get a huge reaction I don't doubt that but the other thing is are they just going to beat Satnam straight away I don't have any problem with that he was not very good in the one no, tag match I watched yeah. is it one and done do you think do you think he's just uh, 
I mean, what do you do with him, really? I, I don't know. He's such a weird fit in AW as well, because it's not a company built around, oh my Monsters God, look, and look how people. big and immobile this guy is. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not wowed by that. So what what's his point, if not to be powerbombed by Wardlow, you know? I mean, you, you have to assume they, they, much like WWE, are thinking, eventually we'll crack India, we'll crack that nut, and we have to have a a big mm-hmm. star attraction for India, but like WWE's like tried like three times and just it never seems to work. And I mean, Tony Khan should focus on getting to fucking Europe first. And you know, he's, he's finally doing Canada like next week or whatever week it is he's doing it. Yeah. But you know, I have to imagine that's a factor, you know, I think, I think, I think that would have to be a factor. Yeah. I think Saddam Singh can only at best be a short term thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like him in the role of big guy on the outside. I don't need to see him getting any kind of push or, or beating people. No, no, of course not. I did like the little pinnacle uh, reunion here. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Could yeah. MJF come back and, and face uh, me? Don't, don't forget about Sean Spears, because I certainly did. Oh, oh! remember remember when I used to give out about him? Most yeah. wrestler in the fucking world. Um, uh, and his little hands. His little, <laughs> Dan Housen, to be fair, has taken the little hand thing that he used to do. Um, what else do we have? Um, Ricky Starks and Aaron Solo. It was all right for a short match. talented uh, reunion. Yeah, that was all right for a little short match, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember yeah. Seeing, seeing these boys in a little uh, venue in Dublin. Yeah. A long time ago. And I knew back then... Ooh, this Ricky Starks boy is a star, and this other lad is a nobody. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Very harsh. But even then, Ricky Starks was the one with the. Yeah, yeah. You it's... could even even tell. Like, yeah. he, uh, when we saw him that one time, Joe, just FYI, it was like a meaningless match against two mm. Irish oiks who, who basically. <laughs> you too. <laughs> How dare you? It might have been a better match if it was because these two boys were. Oh, no, no, that, match was, no, that match was great, though. But those two, those two Irish boys, nearly they, killed, they killed a handful of opponents. They were they they were a couple of months later. Like they had a lot of bad performances, and they had the extremely and I do mean extremely rare uh, indignity. They were like booed out of the ring at one stage. Like the the last match I believe they had there, I, I recall they were genuinely booed out of the ring when they when they lost. Everyone cheered the heels. Kings of the North beat them. And everyone cheered, and they got heckled something fierce. They were, t- but but extra talented were great, and it got a great match out of them. Yeah. To the and I think they coasted on. I think that's kind of why they stuck around for a few months. Was that match was great, but then they didn't. They were never able to recapture it. No, and I remember my, my one memory of that was Ricky Starks for no reason, and he, he basically in real life did the Twitter meme format of no one dot 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 Ricky Starks does a Shinsuke Nakamura impression. With the whole yeah, the hands and the pose, just did it for for no reason on the ring apron, and everyone went mad for it. <laughs> I don't think it, there was like a match going on. He was just doing this Chinsky thing. Anyway, he beat Aaron Solo, and then Nick Camarado, who is looking like um, a big jacked up Will Ferrell dressed as a pimp, <laughs> <laughs> um, attacked him, and you know, oh, that's great. And then Will Hobbs. Beat up a TV backstage. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. that. Um, Jade Cargill, star of uh, AW Cards, <laughs> yeah. made her appearance and uh, was unsuccessful against Jade Cargill. I must say that, that the match was fine. 
right. It's all right. I don't know What's that. <laughs> I don't know that Madison Rain as she's like the new head trainer or something. I don't know that she has like a Serena Deeb uh, level about her. Yeah, I, I, I think again, thinking kind of in the mindset of a guy who runs a giant business and the way and the decisions you'd have to make. Um, I, I, I think it's because she's had office roles in Impact, yeah, so it's kind of a like you, you know, it's kind of like a we want to show that there's like career progression, and if you have tenure, we can we'll move you up. And obviously, they they, they need. I mean, that whole hiring thing that was a much needed talent communication. Let's get yes. more people in here, mm. and they obviously need women's division, uh, you know, help. Um, so yeah, I, I, I understand why they um gave Rain this little run on TV because look, you signed her. She's yeah, at, has something of a name she's not terrible but she's also not great and i'm kind of like okay had her challenge lost and i'm like i'm kind of good for now with her yeah. you know obviously work on the youtube shows with the with the newbies and i think that's grand but i i, I don't think for tv going forward yeah. right. battle, battle royals maybe battle royals Tag of course teams or something yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're called battle royales. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, and listen, if she's going to, if she's going to be in a battle royale, um, uh, get her good TNA theme back, please. Yeah, because they're using Christian's TNA theme basically. So, but I think the problem is she stopped using that theme like five years ago at this stage. The one we all want, you know. I mean, Tony's got um, precedent for that. He brought Orange Cassidy's theme back. That's it. Um, and then finally. We had Moxley, Jericho in probably Jericho's best match since the last time he fought Moxley. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I will say, of the, like we said earlier, of the two faces he's likely to put on, I much prefer Lionheart than the Pain Maker. Uh, <laughs> Although there was one bit where, I think it's right at the beginning, was it William Regal or Shivani? One of them said, like, it might have been Regal, uh, that, that Lionheart is... Chris Jericho's most dangerous. Chris Jericho's most dangerous. I'm like, well, is that really? Surely yeah. that's the pain maker thing. Even though we know that the pain maker thing is super lame, surely the character should be when he's like dangerous and out of control. He's, he's pain maker. Maybe you could say that Lionheart is him at his most like pure. Or yeah, because I think the Mox promo was very much a let's no bullshit. Let's I want to have a match with the actual wrestler. You know. Yeah. Um, which, funnily enough, there was a lot of bullshit in the match, uh, but <laughs> but that's that's Jericho's. I, I appreciate that because you know Jericho would do that, wouldn't he? Um, uh, you know, ripping the Mox finds new ways to bleed all over people uh, every week. It was From the, the it was the earring this week, which was great. Um, yeah. Blade, blading is here. Do you think <laughs> would Ric Flair even do that? I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see in his next match. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, his next match. But yeah, I thought it was I a really thought good. For so- Go ahead, Jesse. So, no, I thought it, I thought it was a really good match. It was kind of a strange one. It wasn't like a classic, but just it was so brutal and like really they just slugged it out so much. I just I really enjoyed it. Even the controversial like five minute Walls of Jericho spot, mm. uh, I quite liked that because it was just unusual. It was just like you never see that. So I was like, yeah, it was right. like it was Bret Hart, Steve Austin. Yeah. I, I think that was one of those ones where I think it actually it was a rare instance of I think I'd rather have had the US feed. Because mm. the crowd were up for it in the last couple of minutes when he started fighting back, but but I watching on fight. If, if you were listening to this and you didn't watch on fight, they just sat there and the crowd were not. They were into it when he put it on, and then when it became apparent they were going to sit in this hold for a few minutes, I think everyone died, and, become, and then they yeah. and then they picked back up. I think I think they probably knew they're at commercial. They have to be at commercial. There's no way. <laughs> I I, I realized I, I there was a moment where two or three minutes in. It, it did become. Are, are they in commercial? Is that, is that what's happening here? Yeah, 
and I swear it was 30 seconds later, Excalibur with the welcome back to Rampage, mm. da, 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 Chris Jericho. Is all right. That's what it was. I thought I still like, I like a long submission hold. I think here's my, it's Paul's Jim Cornette nitpick. Uh, I think people are too quick to get out of submissions these days. Um, I, I, I loved a, a good old 2000, the rock in the, crippler crossface or whatever and he's he's clutching he's real slow and then when he's about to get to rope his hand is up is he gonna uh, and then he gets oh he just about gets the rope and now you have people submission and they're uh, uh, and they're on the rope it's like come on sell the submission a little bit make us think you're gonna submit teases 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 anyway moxley does bleed too much these days um, no, no, him, him, and Brody and Jericho all gushing all over the place on the same well, show. Well, Jericho really. went head first into the turnbuckle. To be fair, that was great. But oh my god, he looked like fucking something from Evil Dead by the end of it. Oh my god, he looked <laughs> insane. He did. Um, um, and I'm not saying that there was too much blood in this show because this is anyway a special show, so that's fine. But like Moxley, Moxley could have a match next week with Aaron Solo, and he'd be bleeding during it. Well, cool. Yeah, get it, like, make it interesting. <laughs> he's a no, fighter because because it was, wasn't it cody before cody would bleed in just random matches oh and, yeah yeah well they're, they're both they're both guys they're both guys who were kind of like obviously hated that they couldn't do it in wwe um you know yeah but let's let's mm, not do it all the time let's do yeah, and I, I want to see it on YouTube as well. I want I want to see John Moxley <laughs> roll it, rolling around with JD Drake in Orlando in pools of blood. I want to see that. Oh, and speaking of Ric Flair, um, I'm surprised for as much as he got his arse out during matches, they never gigged the old buttock. Because because the, the arse out was always a comedy spot. He's not going to get like empathy as he gigs his arse. <laughs> He could get pushed into the ring post while his arse is out. And my God, his arse is busted right away. Oh, the referee didn't see that now, but Ric Flair's arse is, is in a, you know, you know, is bowling shoe ugly. It looks like a car wreck, that arse. Bloody bum prints all over the map. <laughs> Scooting his arse around the ring like a dog, you know, just. <laughs> the, damn cr- the crimson arse. Crimson arse. <laughs> <laughs> his arse adorned with the wounds of war. <laughs> All right, that's 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 going to be and then, highlighting. And then CM know. Punk returned. Uh, more on that next week. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. No, it was great. No, it was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a moment! Main main uh, big match feel. Oh, and probably, yeah. oh, I think the biggest. The biggest main event they've done. I can't think of anything that's on a par with this. Maybe Kenny versus Mox. Kenny, um, Dan- well, Kenny Danielson, but that wasn't the main event. Kenny Danielson, yeah, but um, Kenny Mox was my thought, but that was also empty arena as well, which yeah. was the pain or one thousand people or whatever it was. Gee, yeah, Brian Omega's a good chap. Other than that, for a world title uh, match as well. I can't think of anything. It, it felt like, yes, this is, we talked about this way back when, how everything, a lot of things in AEW, everything feels like the mid card. There's not a lot of hierarchy, but I think Mox, this reign he's had, it's felt like a main event reign. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't think Mox is in the mid card. Like he no, is, I- he is the champ. He is the guy. Punk comes back. He is the guy. Like these two guys are the guys. Yeah. 
You know I what I mean? Moxley, like, to, Moxley, to his benefit, has been very forthcoming about that he's the most important guy in the show. This is the world title. As you should be, yeah. Hangman. I mean, that was the kind of an issue with Hangman, right? Hangman was a bit passive in that regard. Just a, yeah, millennial cowboy. Mm. And then CM Punk and Moxie did the uh, the WrestleMania 18 Hogan Rock. Did a little kiss. to the side. Um, <laughs> which is cool. And yeah, it was great. Great little ending. That was great. Uh, Rampage was not great. Um, didn't watch it. They they did a Garcia Danielson promo that was very good. It was legitimately very good, but you don't have to watch it. The crux of it was we're, we're going to have a match on Wednesday. That was the that was the crux, which Two is the rampage. Yeah, which is Rampage's problem. It's like all the important stuff. Some guy, Hook came, came out to talk, and what I can only describe as some guy came out to challenge him to a match. And he introduced himself. I think he said, "I he said he's a reality star." I don't know if that's his gimmick or he actually is. Um, is Zach something? And it was just kind of like, obviously, Hooks is going to squash this guy. Who cares? There's not going to be anything important. But that's sort of the problem, isn't it? It's like that's all Rampage is. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's not a B show. It's like, it's like spilling the gap between a B show and the YouTube shows. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I thought the the Sunny Kiss turn at the end was at least interesting. You know, something, something, to sink sink your teeth into. Obviously, people have been like saying, "Look, do something with Sunny Kiss or something." So, like, let's see. You know, um, uh, he joined the Par- Parker Boer Bordeaux Bordeaux. Boudreaux. What are you trying to say? <laughs> that fella's name. Parker Boudreaux. Parker Boudreaux. Oh, that was it. Right, yeah. Okay. Sorry. 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 Parker Boudreaux, Aya Davari, and <laughs> it's like you're one of um, what's what's the show called? Uh, Slim J. Yeah. No, off the lady off um, keeping up appearances. It's not Boudreau. It's Boudreau. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you know, Rampage is uh, is what it is. They had like four advertised we hear froms on this show. Like I was just like, fucking hell. The the intergender match was actually not bad. To be fair, Sammy and Tay against Dante Martin and Sky Blue. That was it. Was pretty good. It was actually nice to see Tay Conti wrestle again. She's not exactly. I know she's not exactly Sasha Banks, but she's good enough that I I don't like that she's like now relegated to like Sammy's girlfriend valet. I think that's a mm. I think that's a bit of a waste when their when their division is as thin as it is. I think they should have they should use every like decent you know uh, arrestor they have. But anyway, that's Rampage, uh, and that's going to do it for this show as well. If you would like to contribute, you can pop us an email over at chairshoppodcast.com. You can ask a question, do a quiz, give a take, weigh in on the nope discussion, weigh in on the uh, uh, various nitpicks you heard on this show. Do you think that Sting should have been catapulted out of that casket um, uh, like a, a Cirque du Soleil man? Um, uh, if you do pop us an email you can also follow us on Twitter at ChairShopPod as well and uh, we'll be back here next week with more of the same so with all that said I will say thank you and goodbye and as also thank you to my co-host first of all Mr. Paul Griffin goodbye and Mr. Joe Tanner goodbye and stick around for the nope spoiler discussion by the way I'm all thrown off because I'm saying goodbye 17 times in this podcast but here's the first one you real guys can hang around for the spoilers if you if you so choose bye
so I I I also had misgivings about the ending of us, and I feel like I I just you know I felt I, I kind of feel like I was waiting for more of a big tied together culmination, and maybe he, look he he wasn't making that kind of film, but I just I was left a little bit cold by it when it ended. Whereas I I thought Nope did more or less deliver, and I feel like this was a movie that was really ambitious in a lot of interesting ways, but also what I kind of liked about it was it. it in how it concluded, it kind of almost felt like one of his more his more conventional films in the way the third act yeah, paid totally. off, and I, I really enjoyed that. Well, in a sense, I agree, but that's why I didn't enjoy it as much. Right. Because um, with Get Out, and especially Us, Us had the thing at the end with the uh, hands across America. And right. That didn't really work for me at all. But I can appreciate that he was kind of shooting high for it's he had an idea that he was like, right, this is this is what I'm building the film around. I didn't particularly like it, but I, I I can appreciate it was there. Here I was kind of waiting for that same thing of all the little threads from earlier to tie together in some not necessarily twist or revelation, but there there to be some deeper meaning like us had, like to an extent Get Out had. And then the ending was just the literal events of the film came to an end and there was no right. greater kind of message to it. That was that was one of my big disappointments with it. Um and yeah there was there I found the film had a lot of um contrivances in the sense of um <laughs> things happening kind of coincidentally which which as to your point Barry stinks a little bit of good director not a great writer. Um a lot of the story beats where the characters learn stuff about the uh, alien, Daniel Cleary just kind of says, and then they just take for face value that, yes, that yeah. is how things work. Even though this is an alien, you could not possibly know anything about. Yeah. He's like, yeah. surely it just behaves like a horse. It's a horse, basically. And then at the end, they, they have the filmmaker come over, the, the um, horse, a, direct, a, a director of photography or nature film. Yeah. He's like a cinematographer. Whatever. Yeah. Who does like nature shit. Yeah. It would make sense to me if they had sought him out specifically because he has like a hand crank camera, but it, he just turns up and just happens to have it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's not it's not clear why they need to go to him to get, and they never explain to him what the impossible shot is anyway. Yeah. He just, he just turns up with the camera and they go, hey, he's got a handheld camera. That'll work because the electricity keeps getting knocked off by the alien. But they don't go to him for that reason. Um, and then that, you know, they also just haven't have the the motorized camera in the fairground next to where the alien happens to be. Also, kind of was very oh, that's a lucky coincidence. <laughs> um, Cinema Sin, a little bit, not not even Cinema Sin, but like it it, it didn't feel <laughs> realistic. It felt like oh, there's there's certain contrivances that just have to be there for the the, the story to work. Yeah, but I mean, I like I thought it was actually because I I I liked that it came back to that because it was one of those oh I see moment when she when she went to the well and I was kind of like oh that's yeah. why that's why they made a point of show of her doing that. Well, exactly. And, it was said and plus her like the fact that it, I thought it had a crank mechanism as well, similar to his yeah. camera. I mean, I will agree that, that there was a lot of kind of like. Um, we filled him in about what's happening in a scene you don't see about that filmographer, and I, I, I do, I did, I did also think that the logic of well, we're fitting all these CCTV cameras and they're not great, so let's go to a cinematographer to get a great shot. Um, but you know, I mean, they 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 did frame him as this sort of faux Attenborough type who yeah, they, they didn't catches predators up. in their in their element, you know. They d- yeah, they didn't set that up 
particularly well. They could have had something at the beginning where he was introduced as a oh the man who got the shot of a and a shark that no one else has ever got. Yeah, that could and have been done in they meet ten, him 10 right seconds. at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, they could have set up something, or you know, this this guy he only ever uses like old analog, you know, because he likes the way it looks. But they don't set up any of that. Yeah, and he's he's directing like a commercial at the beginning yeah. of the of the film, and and like he shows up with the hand cranked camera, and she celebrates because she was like, "I knew he would do that," and they're like, "Oh, you 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 called it," and it's like, "Yeah, but you didn't have a scene where she said that." And you didn't have a scene where she explained he would need that because, uh, as best as I can recall, there isn't a moment where she outlines we're having to deal with electric EMPs. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of that was a, a lot of the old. I'm going to just assume the audience are going to piece that together themselves, which I can kind of you know, I'm a little you know, uh, so many movies these days are what was I'm trying there was a, I'm going to open up my letterbox because it's going to annoy me. I remember there was a movie I was watching recently where there was too much. I think it might have been Prey actually. As much as I enjoyed Prey, um, uh, I think that may be what I'm thinking of. There were, it is Prey. There was too much. Um, um, uh, really interesting concept uh, uh, portrayed via, you know, a certain shot. And then the character just says it so that the audience gets it. I'm like, you couldn't, you, you didn't have to, you couldn't like, it, you know what it was in prey. It was sorry. Well, spoiler for prey. It was when she realizes that um, the predator cannot see something because it's super cold. And right. there's two great, there's like just a really great shot where, where she twigs that and then she just says it out loud i'm like oh come on <laughs> so i you know I, I i don't disagree with that but at the same time i kind of uh, i i don't need the cat i don't need every single scene where a, a character is explained every single aspect of a situation i, I think it was just that you there know. was a lot of it there was a, there was a lot of it there was a lot of it um, um what, what else did you like i assume that the, the the resolution and the character you had grievances with were if i could guess and i, I don't even know if i necessarily disagree what was the relevance of Stephen Yoon and the monkey and all that other stuff? Not even what was the relevance of it. I thought those scenes were the best scenes in the film. And I yeah. thought his character was the most interesting character in the film. Uh, the film opens up with this really effective, creepy shot of like the chimp in the aftermath of this. Mm. First of all, I don't think Saturday Night Live would have parodied that absolute... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, horrible it's, event. It, it, it's kind of like you you get the vibe that like this monkey attacked something, and then they reference an SNL skit later, and then later on in the film they review what happened. It's like this monkey like murdered like five people. Like, yeah, I, I loved I loved all the stuff with the monkey actually. And yeah, no. and I was thinking to myself, and this was stupid because this was this is my fault, not the film's fault. I was thinking, how does this tie in again to the ending? I, I, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a link between the monkey and the alien aside from they are wild creatures that act out but i was thinking okay how is that stephen young stuff going to tie in thematically at the end or or whatever it, it doesn't ultimately it does but um it does though it does, because it does. it's kind of like because like you know i thought it was like because the monkey did all this horrible shit and yet he he didn't seem especially he was telling like it was a jolly old anecdote, and then it was kind of like, oh, just before well, the monkey re- dies. he's repressed it, obviously. He's repressed it, obviously, yeah. He's and like the bidding from But before the monkey dies, he, it, it like goes for like the fist bump. And so it's kind of like his character is like, despite all the obvious dangers and horrible shit that went down, he still thinks, well, I I can leverage this because I'm, 
you know, uh, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, as susceptible to it, or I'm 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 sharp enough to 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 yeah. to tame this beast or whatever. And it's his hubris, you know. It's yeah, yeah, that's, that's contempt, contempt for nature and harness it, and the, and the whole thing of the the horse and the the first ever movie, you know, of the horse and using yeah. that to create the spectacle. And that because I was like, what is this monkey shit all about? And then I kind of <laughs> realised it at the end. You know, it's about that, yeah, man's kind of desire to tame nature or to have dominion over nature, and then our it always blows up in our face. Um, unless, like Daniel Kaluuya, you you're, you understand the animals. You know, you're a horse whisperer, you're a big alien sucker whisperer, and you know how to deal with it, then you can, you know, as long as you show it respect, then you can, you know, live, well, not live peacefully because they killed the fucking alien, but you know what I mean? You can, you can, um, you can win out. Um, so that's what I, I liked that kind of theme and the idea of spectacle and, you know, animals in as, as performers and that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, that's generally what the film is about. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that um, so that worked, and I, I I do agree. They spent quite a lot of time on the Stephen Yoon character. He was good, and I liked I liked those elements of it. But it it was, I think, as you kind of alluded to, Paul. Then you want to hear a bit more from him. Yeah, Whereas if they kept his role bit, halfway through, if they made it a bit smaller. Then you wouldn't be as interested in his, yeah. you know, story. You could have then spent more time setting up all the other stuff, <laughs> rather than yeah. just getting yeah. too much into him. Maybe. Yeah, it, it makes um, those elements feel like they're much more important to the narrative than they ultimately are. Hmm. Um, yeah, and he he gets killed kind of off screen to an extent, and so I was thinking, oh, he's probably going to come back then because I've been, you know, watched hmm. so many films as we do. You get conditioned that if you if you haven't seen someone being killed. There's a good chance they're not dead. Uh, he 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 was dead, unfortunately. No, I liked all the Stephen Ewan stuff. I liked the chimp stuff. I especially liked when it was shot like the the sitcom, and you see the like behind the scenes. Right. Movies. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they had showed a bit more of the attack there instead of cutting to black as they do. You notice the chimp is missing from those anyway. There's, they obviously didn't have a chimp. To, oh, in the, the actual sitcom, yeah. The actual, there's no the actual yeah. recording. Um. No, I, I that was all the stuff of the film I actually enjoyed the most. Um and yeah, um the 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 two leads, Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya, I I did like both their performances. I feel like Kaluuya did kind of sleepwalk through it a little bit, but I generally liked him. I like his uh, his he's got good eye acting. He likes showing off the whites of them eyes. Yeah. Um there's one bit where he's like standing in shadow and his eyes are really like highlighted. And I really like that. There was some. There was some really great, like I say, ten out of ten individual moments. Uh, obviously, yeah. one that everyone's got to point to is the the blood raining onto the house. Yeah, that's great. Which is that's the best thing. thing in the film. Yeah. Um, the chimp attack I'd have in there as well. That was like, I don't think this film's a horror movie at all. First of all, I think the only kind of elements of the film that had me a little bit tense were was with the, the chimp. Um, and then you had the the shoe standing on on point as well, yeah. In, in that scene, and you can you can allude to like what's the meaning of that and how like you know the, is the child's memory is the child a, a reliable narrator as far as that that story goes. Um, but Kaluuya and Palmer's characters, I felt like okay, what do we know about these two characters? Well, Kaluuya is like what the son of a well-regarded horse wrangler, and he's kind of struggling his way through life. And the daughter is kind of what equally like a drifter who 
Mm. Got really nothing going for her. And their their plot is that they're they want to get on Oprah and make a lot of money by getting a video of an alien. Yeah. I don't know. I I didn't think that was the strongest character motivations for this kind of movie. First of all, video of alien today is like nobody would pay any. Even if they had your man, the cinematographer came and got the best video of an alien. If that went online today, people would just go up oh, load of bullshit and it'd be forgotten about the next day. There's no, that's not really a thing in 2022. Everything can be deep faked. Everything can, can be photoshopped and faked. No one would even bat an eyelid at it. And yeah, just they're 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 looking to get the money, and they want to. The, 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 even though they live in like a palatial farmhouse on fifty acres of land, yeah, um, but they were like selling the horses and stuff. They were obviously on, you know, like he's broke. He said he said, and, he, one point, and he, he was he was he was also offered to buy the farm, which he rejected because of you know yeah. stubbornness and everything else, and wanted to. Well, so I would say it's probably because of the father relationship. The, the father, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to keep that going, and then that. The lineage, although again, you can you can look into how how real the lineage is back to the original jockey, which is probably just kind of a selling tactic more than anything. But yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted something deeper with those characters and their backstories to latch onto, and why the story of this film was more important to them specifically outside of well, they need money and they need to get a, a photo of an alien. Probably. I I thought it was if you trace that kind of lineage, so they had this ancestor who was. I mean, in, in their yeah. story anyway, he was kind of screwed yeah. over because he was the star of the film, but no one remembers him even because yeah. he was a black jockey and they remember the filmmaker, right? So he never got his due. And then the father you know, made something of himself, was quite well regarded in, in the business and stuff. And they were maybe in his shadow a little bit. So I, I kind of thought there was a sense of them trying to break. They wanted their moment. They wanted mm. their kind of horse galloping video and, and to be yes. responsible for that. Yeah. And I think they were trying to find that through the horses. And that's why Kiki Palmer's like, you know, I'm an actress, a dancer, a singer, blah, blah, blah. Um, like, I ride motorbikes. Remember that line. That'll come <laughs> back later. <laughs> so I think they were trying to find their bit of like slice of kind of fame, their own pines. Yeah. So I, think, I think it was the it's fact a bit that tenuous, they... but no, no, I, I, I like that better, but watching mm. the film, it, they, they played it so much into they're broke. They want money. Hmm. If if it was if it was more about their artistic, is what they wanted, they're watching the movie and oh, one day, even if you see like a flashback, little little kid Daniel Kaluuya, one day perhaps I'm going to be in the movies. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I just didn't have the feeling that there was any great philanthropic. But they, they, they also, for someone who's not in the film that much, I think the Keith David. Um, dad character is quite influential on on the two characters because it's kind of like they they like they and they they tie it together by obviously they name the alien a jean jacket and the story from earlier in the film is that she wanted to train this horse called jean jacket and she wasn't allowed yeah. to and maybe that led her being resentful and then again she's presented as the flighty sibling who's not even really there around the time he he, he dies and so it's her kind of you know, white whale or white horse i guess um and likewise you know kaluuya they have that that insert kind of just before the final act actually kicks off where his dad says to him that you know some things just aren't meant to be tamed and they do eventually kill the alien but his his goal for the the big set piece at the end is actually just to sort of uh tame it and scare it off and sort of illustrate to it that that they are the alphas or whatever way whatever terminology you'd want to to use you know i think they 
and I think this is maybe I think this is a peel thing for sure. I think he is to a fault a big just do your idea and don't explain it type thing, which was obviously and I was again I'm more or less with you on on us. Like when they did the whole handling thing, I was like, okay, this is I I don't know what you're doing with this. I'm sure you I'm sure you had the most unbelievable writer's retreat with your lads when you were writing this. Not thing. not even. I you think know. and to an extent with Novazel, I think it's Fucking, he had a big old fat doobie. Ooh, baby. And then he went and had a shower and just was having his shower thoughts. And he said, man, heads across America, man. <laughs> and for this one, he, he was probably in there with Cheech and Chong and they were fucking Snoop Dogg doobies two foot long. Where are you getting this this idea that, that, that it's Cheech and Chong and, and because, Jordan Peele? Because, man, what if the UFO, like, was the alien, dude? But yeah, if that was a cool idea. Like I don't know. I, was it? I, yeah, it was. Cool and like, other than the other than the house being covered in blood, the other visual I really liked from it was when you do briefly see inside it when the when the whole Stephen Yoon mm. cavalcade of people is taken into it. So this is really like grotesque, claustrophobic. Like, and the, the the film generally has a great balance of what you show versus what you don't show. Um, and I thought just your that little clip of just everyone being like suffocated and digested in it for just a couple of seconds I thought was was really well done. I don't I I like that aspect of it. Again, I do kind of agree they were there was a certain massive leaps taken with he immediately figures out that if you don't look at it. It's like eh, that's a bit of a leap now. That's a bit of a leap. Even you know? the way he figures out it's not an a UFO is a bit of a leap. Yeah. It's too fast. It can't be can't be a UFO. It's like, "What? You don't know anything about UFOs or aliens." How can yeah. you ascertain that this is a ufo not an alien or vice versa um yeah i thought i thought it was a bit of a a a twilight zone ironically since he was involved in the reboot of that bit of a twilight zone thing oh the the ufo is the alien actually yeah um yeah uh no the blood the blood in the house like i said was was the, the the best visual i also really liked when the the horse came through the windscreen although at first i thought it was like a decomposing I thought it was a little bone or skeleton or something I was like oh my god what a great visual oh it's a fake horse that kind of lessened lessened the impact for me a little bit yeah but that's how he learns that it it hates anything that's not you know organic basically I mean he he, he should have known that from the the coin hitting his daddy in the head at the start of the film yeah oh Um, I should have figured out then well, he it's an alien that can't digest coins and keys (laughs) well he he basically does obviously (laughs) <laughs> I didn't like the bit where he was like, "Oh, you can't look it in the eye." I was like, "Well, wait, what?" <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone had like the people who were in the house weren't looking it in the eye, and it was still attacking yeah. them. Like, that well, was because the horse jumped at the start. I know, the but like, yeah, that's the only bit I didn't like. So that's what I did like: um, visuals, the kind of feel, the grand sort of yeah. vistas of the of being out in the desert um, or countryside, wherever they are. Um, I really liked that feel. I liked, yeah, the blood scene over the house. I liked the the, the kind of cowboy element to it and this kind of fake cowboys. And uh, I liked yeah. the way that contrasted with, you know, being a real cowboy versus being a fake cowboy kind of thing. So that was, that was good. Um, yeah. And I quite liked the shot with the, um, you know, the well with the cameras in it. I think that was, I, I maybe should be re, you know making this up or reading too much into it, but I think that was the plan was to get it over by that balloon, right? That wasn't like an accident that just happened. I think that was their plan 
but originally it was going to be Daniel Kaluuya on the horse leading it there. And then the moment where he's like, you know, they're looking at each other. He's like, no, you do it. You, you know, I'll let you do it. Right. So then she took the alien off to that. So I don't, I don't think that was like an accident. That was the intention, the plan. So I don't think it was mm-hmm. convenient in that sense, but yeah. But I, I quite like that because it, it obviously harkened back to the horse film as well and everything. So yeah. Yeah. that was good. No, no, I'm not saying that it was convenient that they lured the alien there or, or killed it there. That was fine. But more that there was just so happened to be a non-electronic camera device there after they'd gone through the whole thing of setting up the video cameras and the, the, the wacky waving mm. arm men. And then, like, why not just lure him there and get the photo there and kill him there? Why do any of the rest of it, you know? Um one other nitpick I'll have is in terms of the structure of the film and the order of the, the things that happen. So we find out quite early that there's a UFO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? And like 15 minutes after that revelation, then you have the, 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 the thing of that, that their cloud hasn't moved in like six months. Isn't the impact of that lessons when we know it's a UFO in it already? Wouldn't that have been a, a cool first hint at something weird as up? Hey, there's a cloud. I'm looking at the footage. There's a cloud that hasn't. But that's the type of thing you wouldn't notice if you weren't looking specifically for it. Exactly. But the point being is. But how would they say it before they know there is a UFO? Have weird shit going on. You don't know what it is. You set up the cameras. The cloud. Uh, then you have the reel of the UFO. <laughs> no? Uh, no? Oh, I stuck my microphone in disgust at that point. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought the fact that there was a cloud not moving when we know that there's a UFO around and in the mm. cloud, I was like, well, what difference does it make? We know the UFO is there. We're not getting any information by the fact that it's in a cloud. But they didn't know the UFO was there in that cloud. Sorry. Well, it, it, it exclusively moved through clouds the entire time we saw it, basically. That was another thing yeah. I did. If I could just... Uh, well, uh, that was another thing I actually really liked was I feel like... I kind of realized watching this, the amount of times we have seen in movies in the last 10 years, characters looking up at the sky to see <laughs> a bad thing arrive. Blorco is here to destroy everything. The Avengers are shooting a thing 10 million <laughs> times a year. And there's never any stakes or drama or craftsmanship to the way those shots are done. There's no uh, Batman v Superman is another great example of this where they like tried to do this, but it was just sort of embarrassing because it looked like they were making weird fucking nine <laughs> eleven tribute movie. Um, uh, the the fear and tension associated with the sky and just everything that could possibly be up there that you don't know about. Uh, and and like the, especially those they do it a lot in the third act, but also those initial scenes where 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 like. Uh, Daniel Thu, a character is like, like uh, hiding in like the stalls and kind of peeking out and stuff like that because he doesn't know what's up there. It's like that was great. I I, I appreciate that. And again, that's kind of classic throwback uh, alien movie stuff. Um, to like actually, when a character looks up, that's a whole new that's a whole new field for you to play with stylistically. And most people just don't do anything with it. Uh, and I thought that they, all of that stuff in the in the same way. Um, I, I, I would say, by the way, I do think this is a, a horror movie. I don't, I don't know how I would necessarily. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know where else you kind of classify it. I think, sci-fi. I mean, sci-fi horror. Sci-fi is very broad. I almost feel like sci-fi also is, is kind of like, it's almost like these days it's more of a theme. People slap it on their movie that's then something else. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's you know, the, 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 the days of, you know, when you say sci-fi, that means basically something like Star Trek. I mean, that's not it at all anymore, you know. But I, I, I think... I think it, I think it does tension really well in those ways. It's you know, it, it, you know, I, I saw someone compare it to like you know what Jaws did for the water, you know, Nope does for the sky. Not at all. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, that's even that's even the car as well, where he's like he has to peek out to know where he is rel- relative to the yeah, thing. Th- there were but, moments of that, to be fair, but generally, I didn't find it super tense. I would not say I would not say it's super tense. I, I would I would I would say that 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 what I do think it's a horror and I do think it's excellent. I do not think it is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I I I, I would I would actually probably even argue that I thought there were like parts of Us that were scarier, even though I didn't like Us oh, overall certainly, certainly, as a film. I Us I think is is a lot more kind of chilling and Get Out to an extent as well. Um, yeah. Although that, that's another one where I thought it's more kind of great for a number of reasons more than just being scary. But um, yeah. but yeah, that's. Uh, Nope. I would like, especially with how that third act played out. I mean, I feel like he's kind of committed to the horror bit. I would like to see Jordan Peele do like an action movie or something like that. You know what I mean? I would like to see him just branch out. Like he he loves horror and he's often talked. I mean, like comedy and horror is two things. And he's often talked about how they're intertwined. I don't think he's going to. I think his next movie will be another very ambitious horror movie, which is great. Keep making them. But yeah, watching that one, that does like I'd like to see him take. You know take a shot at, at, at something else you know yeah he can do a princess diana <laughs> documentary <laughs> i mean they're they're invoking you know what he jordan peele should do um uh, he should make a woodstock 99 documentary <laughs> oh, <laughs> haven't had enough of those um yeah. oh no he should be he should fucking make the new ant-man movie that would be class <laughs> you do the yeah, thund- I mean, thundercats or whatever it's called <laughs> he's he's an interesting case, Jordan Peele, because I feel like he 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 definitely has individual moments of of absolute brilliance in him. But I don't know if he spreads himself too thin by trying to do everything creatively: writing, directing, producing. Um. Although didn't he write? He wrote the Candyman, or did he co-write that new Candyman, which I, I still haven't seen, so I can't comment on that. Uh, that was quite divisive. I liked it. I heard. A lot, I know a lot of people hated it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to double check that now. Let me know. And uh, okay, Jordan Peel. That's him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think I do think it's fair to say he he, he may spread himself a, a bit thing and i think i think all the and yeah so he did he did write that new uh uh, uh candy man uh, or he or got a writing credit on it rather and i do think most of the criticisms you know the ones that we share and even the ones that we, that we don't i think they do boil down to the writing um uh, which is uh which is interesting yeah uh, I, I like the design of the the alien um and it turned into a big jellyfish at the end a big hot air balloon so yeah that's fine and i'm looking here as well he's like the sole credited writer as well like there's nobody else on get out yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think no these- why do i keep saying get out mother fuck god damn it's not even his other most recent movie it's like his oldest one jesus christ anyway I think, he's the, I think the sole credited movies writer he's made he's he's done all of that yeah um 
and I think to an extent, you know, he's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that people expect now that every film that he makes is going to be a get-out because of for how good that film was. Right, yeah. Um, mm. And I think, like I said at the beginning, I think Us has moments of mind-blowing brilliance. It didn't tie together in the end, and maybe I, I was a bit harsh in my scoring of the film based on that. But I think one thing that'll come out of Nope is, because, like I said, I, I think Nope is more consistent but never reaches the highs of us even if i kind of liked nope more generally definitely one thing is for me to maybe give us a rewatch and, and kind of see yeah my opinion on it still holds true maybe to be a bit more forgiving Ooh. knowing where it goes sorry there's a thunder crackle outside my window just as oh. you were it's the oh, marvel folks they're here oh they're coming for us no it's a big alien that's gonna eat me don't look at it ah, how do i know that oh just trust me <laughs> I ride horses, okay? I know these things. Um, and then again, uh, similar to Get Out, uh, Kaluuya's character allegedly supposed to have died at the end and studio pressure changed that ending too. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that. Also, the funny thing is I wasn't too surprised when he showed up at the end because I was kind of like, they kind of what you were saying about Stephen Yoon's character earlier they they really didn't really 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 milk the idea that he was like sacrificing himself to distract the thing so the sister could get away they weren't milking that so much which made me think he's definitely alive so when they did the big reveal saying he's alive I was like oh well like I, I fucking knew he was alive um I don't know I I, I mean I for stuff like this I always kind of do err on the side of the happy ending like I, I you know I I don't know I I I, I wasn't I I, I didn't I don't I don't really have a preference one way or the other for whether or not that character I, should have I, been don't, I don't either for this film I, but I I do feel like that was a misfire in that I felt like they thought it was a grand reveal when I was I was like 50 50 at best that character is still alive realistically I was like more 70 30 he's definitely showing up because there was no there was no there was no not that I don't think Jordan Peele would do the super sad music as he slow motion falls into the aliens <laughs> but that's not his style but there was no there was no scene of him being eaten so I was like okay, well he, I'm not assuming he's dead the old thing if you don't see it happen it didn't happen exactly now, I, I, I I think as far as the story goes here anyway whether he lived or died ultimately doesn't make a, a huge difference. Whereas with, with Get Out, obviously the the original ending had him being arrested and go to jail for the, the, the murders. And I think totally that works with what the rest of the film is, as opposed to Get Out having a happy ending, as it actually does in its release form. Um, no, and I just want to clarify again, nope, I didn't like give it a one-star review or anything. I was right right bang in the middle on it. So this, this isn't a, the Raid 2 case, but you know. I just had a lot of reservations about it that kept it from being like a top, a top experience. Um, but uh, look, like I said, Jordan Peele, um, a great filmmaker. Maybe, um, uh, maybe to collaborate with somebody or or key fo- focus on. <laughs> well, see how he's, no, he's, he's not. He... A, he's not got a great uh, batting record since uh, they split up, unfortunately. Ooh, the Predator and the Lion King. No, thank you. I won't. <laughs> Ever- hey, listen, he's going to be... Which one? He's Toad in the new movie, right? The Mario movie? Yeah. That'll be a winner. We know that. So, <laughs> thing about... Yeah, I, I think I, I would probably agree. Well, I, 
I feel like it would probably be to his benefit if there was another writer in the room. But now, especially now we're three films in, now it's the Hideo Kojima thing where when people and when studios want a Jordan Peele movie, they want a Jordan Peele movie. They don't want Jordan Peele with like three extra writers saying, well, Jordan, no, maybe this character should actually say what's happening. No, no, I'm... The, he's go- the character is going to um, just super kick a goat in the face and the audience will just know what's happening. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm torn on that because I think there's the like very boring analytical, I think it would just in a straightforward way make the films a little bit more understandable versus the, well, it's his films are made this way and like them or lump them, that's it. Yeah, you know this, I mean? is, this is me saying it after having been underwhelmed. Obviously, underwhelmed by two of them, right. If you really enjoyed it, you're not going to feel the same way. But um, and yeah, that makes me wonder as well how how Nope is going to hold up to to reviewings as well. Yeah, um, like yourself, I'm I, I'm I'm I, sh- I kind of I'm curious to uh, to watch. Like Get Out, I know is great. There's no there's no worry there. I have it on Blu-ray. It's fucking perfect. Us, I was I was really disappointed with us, but off the back of Get Out, so I wonder if I visit again. I know off the top of my head, there's stuff I hated. The Hands Across America stuff. The fucking Tim Heidecker scene. Which was oh, crazy. that was great. What are you talking about? Totally out of place. Oh, no. No. Stupid, stupid scene. Um, but Lupita Nyong'o's great performance in it. Yes. There's, yeah. there's a, a lot to love about that film, so maybe I'll be a bit kinder to it on rewatch. But, um, nope. It was fine. Nope, nope, nope. nope. 